We're here with Henry from the internet, from fingerboarding. You know Henry. Everyone knows Henry. They might not know Henry, but they're about to. <laughs> Hello. Yeah. yeah, welcome to the show. Thank you, Mike. Yeah, we've been friends for a while now. I think I first met you when you were like 14 or something like that. Yeah. How old are you now? 23. 23, cool. So we got about 11, wait. About 14? nine years, yeah, I guess, yeah, since like years. we actually like conversed and whatnot. My first rendezvous was 2013. That's like the first time I saw you in the flesh. Um, but yeah, we weren't like, we weren't tight then by any means. <laughs> but yeah, 10 years, let's say, give yeah. or take. Cool. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Well, we've been talking for the last like 48 hours yeah. straight, yeah. basically. So it's cool to finally get the cameras yeah. going. I've been, and... I know we were talking about Alex. I mean, we've just held back so much. <laughs> I, I was just totally hiding a bunch of things so we could talk about it on the podcast and this works out perfectly. Yeah, keep yeah. it fresh. <laughs> uh, perfect. Cool, yeah, so um, we're going to get into how you got into fingerboarding and before that we can start with the basics, where you're from, a uh, little bit about how you grew up and then you can kind of go into your journey through, you know, like being a kid and then finding fingerboarding at some point. Right on, yeah. So I'm from Weehawken, New Jersey. I love Jersey. It's the only state. Uh, loved where I grew up. It's the only state. The wait, only wait, state. wait, wait, wait. Where are we now? New, New Jersey. Jersey. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. It's New Jersey against the world, my man. Yeah, I love New Jersey. Uh, I grew up right outside New York. If there was another state, that's probably one of them. But right outside the Lincoln Tunnel. Um, so, like, no traffic 12 minutes from the city. Um, so, like, kind of a mixture of, like, a... My family, we always called it the herbs. Like, it was, like, a mixture of suburban and urban, but really small town. Like, 93 kids in my high school graduating class, which was, like, the biggest we had had in decades. So, super intimate, tight-knit town. Um, yeah, grew up there, still live there. Big fan of it. Um, how I grew up, I'd say fairly well. I had, like, you know, really awesome family. Um, good group of friends, especially, like, later in high school. Um, yeah, fairly normal, basic life, I'd say, for the most part. How uh, did you become so disciplined? Because one time when you were at my house, and it was, like, all crazy and stuff, and then we woke up the next morning, and you were, like, 14, and you were, like, cleaning the house, and, like, I couldn't even get my friends that were, like, 18 to clean the house, <laughs> like, after that. Where yeah, did I, that come from? That, yeah, that's a good question. I mean, honestly, I think I was just kind of, like, raised to... You know, if someone's, like, doing you a favor and, like, being nice to you, uh, like, letting you stay at their place, like, you know, try and extend your hand where, like, where you can. I was also, like, a Boy Scout and an Eagle Scout. I don't know how much of that really plays into that, but just, like, a type of, like, politeness and reverence and whatnot. I also took a class my freshman year of high school. Yeah, my freshman year of high school called Manners. Manners and Etiquette. Whoa. It was an elective. And it was actually dope. They, it was like me, I was like the only freshman or one of very few, it was like mostly seniors and that's who it was ideal for because like there was like a unit on like <coughs> buying a house or like looking, buying your first apartment, like how wow, to shop for groceries. You went to a good school. It yeah. Like. It so was, New Jersey is actually legit. Yeah, yeah. Oh, we're about it. Wow. Sure. I never, like, yeah. this no, is great. It was a really cool one. Yeah. Like that, that whole is that like. public school? Yeah, it was a public school. Wow. Yeah. And how like a lot of people always say like, oh, you know, they never taught us that in high school. Which, like, granted, like, yeah, they didn't, but even if they did, you probably weren't even paying attention to we it We did anyway. not have the option to learn that. Exactly, yeah. We at least, like, could opt into it in a way. I mean, I didn't really cool. even think much of it. It was just, like, an open elective. I said, sure. Um, 
they did like a whole unit on table manners where the teacher would actually make us like these full meals like chicken and pasta salad and we'd all have to sit set the table and it was cool we got to like eat together as a class and stuff wow. um i was going somewhere with this i promise um oh yeah like yeah. so i was taking it around that time i don't think that actually played into it at all but just um you know like trying to be a manful person where possible i even remember actually after i stayed there around that time we were doing a unit on writing like thank you notes to people and i remember literally hitting up ryan on facebook ryan bernier and being like yo like i'm really appreciative of mike like letting me stay like should i send him a thank you note like should i mail it to him and he was like yeah super don't do that but like oh, you know, dude, i would have loved it <laughs> you just like thank him or whatever That's amazing. on facebook um but <laughs> I yeah i could see him saying no to that That's oh what I, totally, I, thought you were yeah. gonna say. I know i totally i totally should have done that but uh it's okay it doesn't matter we're but here yeah now. yeah we're here now exactly it worked no that really left a huge impression on me when you were like cleaning and like being like like pretty proper about stuff because it was like we were all pretty immature at that time and to see somebody younger than us being like like a role model like <laughs> literally like and it's like wow this kid's better behaved than us like not that we're like crazy or anything but just like he's cleaning the house in the morning like a basic thing like okay we like i don't know i was just like this is a good kid you know like yeah i appreciate awesome. that yeah well i'm i'm glad it <laughs> glad it rubbed you guys the right way and yeah totally makes me feel good to hear lovely so you were raised right something like that i i, I like to think you know yeah it's yeah. <laughs> cool um as for fingerboarding like how i got into that um so i had two close friends both of whom i'm still very close with today um we all like skated together growing up um all right so how did you find skateboarding then oh okay yeah so skateboarding was always a huge part of my life pretty much just um I guess, like, I played, like, you know, Pro Skater and Tony Hawk's Underground 1, 2 and American Wasteland. Like, I could probably recite verbatim. I know Tim mentioned it on, on his episode, but, like, we're always talking about, like, the soundtracks from there and, like, we're always talking about, the, we're always talking about those games. Um, but, I mean, I guess I had my love for it beforehand. Um, I don't know exactly what it was. Like, I just know, like, every time I would be, like, walking somewhere and I'd see people with skateboards. Like, you know, like, I was a little kid so it was like cool teenagers skating so like that was always really cool to me and then i remember when i was like five years old give or take i watched uh, the lords of dogtown like in a in some local cd theater by me and in it i don't i literally don't remember like almost any of the concept like any of the plot of the movie um but i think one of the dudes in it has cancer so they shave his head or they shave their heads or something anyway i had like like a bowl cut the next day i got a buzz cut and just because i was like influenced by that movie just because I thought it was, like, so cool. Um, so, yeah, I guess, like, that, and then just playing, like, the Tony Hawk games. I just, like, love skating, and, uh, yeah, got into it from there. And I never really got good at it, but I always had, like, decent board control. Like, the way I looked at it was, like, I was never a good skater, but, like, people who didn't skate at all, like, would probably look at me skate and think that I could, you know what I mean? Just from, like, my comfortability on a board and yeah. stuff like that. I mean, it's all about having fun, not, like, your skill level anyways. Exactly, yeah. But and you're saying you weren't, like, pro or anything, like... Far from. Yeah. I mean, you know, I just, like, you know, pushing down the street with friends and stuff, and, yeah. you know, especially in high school, I got more into, like, the skate park culture, which was cool. Just ended up falling out of that for whatever other reasons. Um, but these two buddies of mine, they skate, and they were decent. And keep in mind, we're, like... So, yeah, we're like 12 at this point. This is in mid-2012. Um, one of them 
she, he like shows me a fingerboard. I guess actually a little more context is like three years prior, two or three years prior, he like had tech decks and he was like getting into it. And then, you know, he was like, yeah, man, I'm actually like sponsored by this dude in Alaska. They had like these events and stuff. I was like, all right, this all just sounds like a, a fever dream and not very true. And at the time it probably wasn't like, cause we were like really young and you know, we're doing like the three fingers just like back and forth, fat ollies and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, that kind of fell by the wayside, but then a few years later, that same friend came back with like a real fingerboard, and he was showing it to me, and he was like, "Yeah, like you know, we're getting like, you know, we're really enjoying this." You know, he's like, "There's this dude Mike Schneider, and he's showing me these videos." I'm like, "Wow, this is like so dumb. What is this stuff?" Especially he's like, he showed me a setup, which I remember to this day. It was a low. Pro. I've been looking for the graphic forever. I even got in touch with Berta about it. Cause she rode for Low Pro, or she still does. Um, he had a Low Pro tiramisu. It's like 30 millimeters. It was called like the propaganda graphic or something. I remember it's exactly what it looks like. I just can't track it down anywhere. Um, with black 29 millimeter BRTs and black uh, BR BRT edition wheels, um, and I was like, "Yeah, this is cool." And oh, and and the foam tape. I mean, that's like the craziest part about it. I thought I was just like, you know, that's like the the biggest difference from like a tech deck, or at least like the first physical sensation that you feel it's different. Yeah. Um, and but then I was like, okay, yeah, this is like weird, but cool or whatever. Then he told me how much it cost, you know, like 150 bucks or whatever. And I was, yeah, I was like, whoa, whoa, okay, that's gnarly. Um, so like we would play with that one a little and I was like, all right, yeah, this is like cool-ish, but like, I'm never going to actually get into this stuff. And um, he also had this other board. I also remember this one. I still have it actually. I almost brought it and I just totally forgot to. It was like this 30 millimeter Roswell's board, orange dip. I remember the exact sticker job they had on it with uh, yellow China trucks and pink non-bearing wheels, which were like smoother than Tech Deck wheels at least, um, with skate grip and then like a, a red line grip gap in the middle. But like it was like, you know, bigger and stuff. So it was like definitely different and better than a Tech Deck. And like I would try that and I was like, oh man, yeah, like this is actually like, this is cool. Um, and you know, we would all just sit on the floor and play, play with it and whatever. And he would like, or these two friends of mine, like, you know, they'd get really competitive about it. And, you know, of course you do as you do with your friends and you start wanting to do more and more tricks. And I vividly remember it was September, end of September or end of October, 2012. That's what it was. Cause it was hurt. It was during hurricane Sandy, um, in, in my town. Um, those two friends were over and we're fingerboarding and he has that orange Roswell's deck over and he's playing with it. And we're, you know, we're all playing with it on the ground. And then because it was during the hurricane, we got a blackout in my house. And so everything goes pitch black. And my friends are just like, uh, okay, we're going to go. I'm like, all right. My friend left that Roswell's board behind. Ooh. So I was like, oh, okay. He'll get it back, but not yet. <laughs> so I, I don't even know how long it was. It was probably a couple of weeks that I had it. And he never asked for it or whatever. And I just like started practicing like crazy with it. I filmed my first like mini with it, with that and some tech deck. Cool. Um, and like, you know, that's when I was getting like, I was getting my kick flips down. I was getting my basic like grinds and slides down. Um, yeah. And then that's just kind of when I realized like, all right, I actually like this and I want to do, excuse me, like I want to do more of it. Um, so yeah, that was like kind of my foray into fingerboarding. There was also another dude who was kind of in that crew who I was cool with, but like they were tighter with him. And I just found out re two of them actually live together now. Um, and I just found out that he like never stopped fingerboarding and he's like, he's like decent. And like, he has like setups with like real trucks. He just got a Berlinwood setup and stuff. Like I was at his place the other day at a, a rail, a mani pad. 
I was like, dude, why didn't I know you still did this? Like, I'd, I'd bring you to events and stuff. Like, that would be awesome. Um, so anyway, I only found that out like a few weeks ago. So now that I know that, like, there's an event in Jersey in a couple weeks. I'm going to try and bring him to. Cool. Yeah, so that was That's my crazy. intro. That's awesome. So it's basically because of that hurricane that you got, like, into it. Realistically, if it wasn't for that hurricane, I don't know what would have happened. Not like I, you know, not like I probably would have never got into it, but, like, you may have found it later or something. Yeah, you, you know, I was always, like, reluctant to, like, ask my parents to buy me stuff. And I remember at the time, like, I, 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 at the time I felt like I didn't have a dollar to spare. But realistically, I probably did. Like, and I could probably go buy a tech deck. I don't know why. I just remember it being, like, such, like, a, such a hassle to, like, go and buy a, a tech deck or anything. Or, like, not, I wasn't able to. But realistically, I probably was. Um, I remember, like, burning the kicks and stuff and all that. Yeah. Um, and then eventually I bit the bullet and I asked my parents to buy me like, buy me one on eBay. It was like seven bucks with like foam tape though. It was like wooden. Um, and it was actually, I mean, it wasn't decent. It was actually really bad, but like for, for what it was, it was decent. And that's when I, that's what probably when I took that next step. And I used that for a while um, until it, someone snapped, like it got snapped. Uh, I remember exactly how I was on a pogo stick at, like on my friends and it fell out of my pocket. And I just like totally... Yeah, the pogo went on to it? Yeah, I pogoed that to Dude. death. Yeah, that was really unfortunate. That's crazy. That's like, you got to be pretty accurate to yeah, that. Yeah, it was literally, that was some bad luck. And yeah. I think I ended up getting another one of those. But then, like, you know, I, I ended up progressing from there. I got, like, a Tech Deck Expert Skate. Those were big at the time. Or they were, like, they actually weren't that big, but, like, those were, like, showing up online. I ordered one of those. I learned more from that. Then I got a broken knuckle. I, I probably learned the most on that one in terms of like, that was like probably the best setup I had had to that point. And then from there, that's when I started getting uh, more like, more established in like the actual fingerboard scene. I started getting involved in like the forums and whatnot. Um, and yeah, that, so from that's when it really kind of became more of a blur, you know, and it took off. Yeah, cool. Yeah. So yeah, that's awesome. When did you get to Rendezvous or events in general? So first Rendezvous was Rendezvous 15, which was in April of 2013. Good um, memory. Yeah, I, yeah. Ha I haven't missed one since, um, which I'm, that's something that's I That's like. crazy. Yeah. I, I mean, like, I make wow. it, the way I see it is, like, there's only two, that, I mean, it used to be, like, sometimes there were three a year, but, like, you know, two or three a year, and they're important for me to go to and, like, see the people I get to see so infrequently. Like, yeah. I make it a point to go to them, you know. Yeah, it's awesome. I, I'm fortunate enough that I don't live, you know, across an ocean or whatever. You know, I live about yeah. a four-hour drive, give or take. Uh, but, yeah, I definitely, like, make it a point to come out to them. Um, but, yeah, so that was my first uh, rendezvous. Uh, I remember my uncle brought me out, Ryan always tells, like, the story of how he has his video, This is Rendezvous 15, and there's a clip of me, like fingerboarding with my uncle who, who looks more like my grandpa because he's my great uncle like taking pictures of me he's a, he's a photographer type cool um so he always makes fun of me and that was <laughs> a springboard to like that rendezvous boy wore a blink 182 shirt because i was a big blink fan um and tim hurley um messaged me on youtube at the time like totally on the side and was just like and so he's probably tim's like i think tim's 31 or 32 um, so he's like nine years older than me. So realistically he was like, he was like around my current age at this time. So he was like 21 or so. And he just messaged me on YouTube like, Hey man, yo, I love Blink. Like I saw you wearing the shirt. I saw you're in your, you made a, what I got at rendezvous video. And I, so I could tell it was you like, you know, great stuff, dude. And 
I'm tripping. I'm like, this is so awesome. This dude rides for flat face. This is so cool. He's probably just grooming me realistically because I was like 13 years old. But anyway, um, I was like, so we ended up just like talking about music. Um, and then eventually we decided to do a, uh, a cover of a Blink-182 song with like, with me playing guitar, him playing bass. Um, I forget the exact song. I think we want to do Stay Together for the Kids, which is a really good tune. I never told him this story, not because like, I'm embarrassed. It just has never come up. Uh, but this is like, a good deep cut. I was like practicing. I, I could play the song. Um, but when it came to like actually sitting down and recording it, it like wasn't coming out perfect, you know, because it never really will. Yeah. And I was so distressed over it. I remember, I remember like just sobbing one day. I was like, I'm not. Oh, oh man. Yeah, like, I'm not getting this. Like, this is like. Like, I, I don't want to delay this anymore. He's going to, you know, he's going to get mad at me for doing all this. So realistically, he doesn't care, I'm sure. Yeah, you know, he's just like, oh, she just messes with me, whatever. Oh, I remember that it was such, like, it was such an issue. And I remember actually, at, like, panicking oh. and just asking if we could change the song. So we changed it to Man Overboard, uh, another Blink tune. And, of course, he was like, yeah, sure. Yeah, I don't fine. care. Sure. I don't care. Um, and that was just really, really cool. And that was just cool to me, like, the idea that I was, like, on someone's, on someone of that level's radar, um, yeah. and like gaining their respect in a way as like a fingerboarder and a and a musician and just like kind of by proxy a person as well. Like that was all, that was really, really dope. And uh, that is why I'm wearing my gray shirt today. I'm summoning the first two here at the time we're filming this, or we can cut this, whatever. But at the time we're filming this, the ones that have aired so far are Doug and Tim, and they both wore gray T-shirts. So I'm summoning their powers. I know others nice. are going to air before this one. There probably won't be in gray shirts, but this is <laughs> this is for them. That's awesome. I love and that. and uh, Tim's been you know a good homie ever since. Yeah. Um, we ended up doing another music cover later on. And I also just want to say like during this whole time of me getting into fingerboarding like more and more, those two friends like did not get much more into fingerboarding. I, I don't even know yeah. exactly why, but like. When I started going to Rendezvous, they're like, "What? You're going to Rendezvous?" And I, I remember I would have brought them, but like, there was one friend at the time who, like, I was definitely like a jerk to him, but like, he was also just like always getting on my nerves and stuff. So like, I didn't want to bring him, but then I didn't want to bring just one. And then my uncle didn't want to bring either of them or whatever. So it was just like yeah. I just rode solo. And then you know when I'm telling them like, "Dude, a flat face member hit me up," they're like, "What?" I'm like, "Dude, I saw Mike Schneider." They're like, "What?" You know. So that was like kind of what I was experiencing back home like still in related to fingerboarding but just like in my personal life which was just uh that was cool and then i mean you know the total trip that happened like when we got on when i got on flat face and stuff and they're like all right this is just bonkers or the first time i'm at your house and i'm like on the phone with my friends i'm like yo i'm literally at mike schneider's right now they're like no you're not i'm like dude i am that type of thing um yeah, yeah. crazy that's cool so it's like Wait, all right, before I change anything, what about the song that you did with Tim? Is that somewhere still? Yeah. Or, I've never heard it. I didn't know that even happened. Tim probably, or I, I don't want to speak for him, I guess, but like, I'd imagine he might have the file somewhere. I think I checked his YouTube not too long ago, and I couldn't find it. We'll have to ask him. Yeah, we all, and then later on, we ended up doing the Hell song by Sum 41, but I, I did bass, and he did guitar on that one. We were like a little, cool. we were like a little closer at that point, I think, uh, so that was like less of a, an ordeal for me. Um, but yeah, I remember it came out, came out decent. That's, that's still out there somewhere. That's awesome. You guys should make a video together and use those songs. Yeah. Or but, even make a new song. Like, 
Do you play still? Yeah, yeah, I play. I mean, I, I haven't played that. as much lately, but yeah. um, but yeah, I still try to do it as much as I can. Um, I actually remember one time I made a mini. He was in a band, Tim, called Circle Nose. Like, I think that's what they were called. Um, and he had a song called Kids Are Stupid. And, <laughs> um, and I remember using that in a mini when I was, yeah, when I was like 14 or something. And I, I'll also say, at my first rendezvous, I like, I paid this dude 40 bucks. I'll say too, like, even back, back then, even today, like, I'm really not someone who likes to spend a bunch of money on fingerboard stuff. I'm not someone who likes to spend a bunch of money in general. So, like, obviously that includes fingerboarding. Um, so, like, I was always, especially as a kid when I didn't have, like, an income and stuff, like, you know, I was just, like, really reticent to just, like, be shelling money out for stuff. So, at Rendezvous, um, I bought a setup off this dude for, like, 40 bucks. It was a split ply. I think it was called a J-Deck um, with BRTs, 29mm BRTs and flat face wheels. And he sold it to me for 40 bucks. It was actually, like, a really good deal. Yeah. And I remember, like, okay, yeah, I did it. And then, like, ten minutes later, I, like, r like had <laughs> gnarly buyer's remorse. And I, like, found him. I was like, oh, like, I, I want to trade this back. And he was like, oh, I already spent the money. Which he was probably lying or whatever. Um, but I was just like, all right, it's fine. Um, and I'm, oh, I'm glad I didn't trade it back. Because what was really cool about that is I was able to, like, parlay that setup into, like, other stuff. Um, like, you know, trading wheels for this. And, you know, yeah. just getting good trades out of that and kind of building up my... Uh, building up my supply that way. I That's also, cool. like, <laughs> we don't have to talk too much about this, but that same friend of mine who was like, who I'm still friends with today, um, he's a friend I was talking about earlier, he's in the Marines, or he just got out, but um, <laughs> when we were like, uh, yeah, around that time, he, I like stole a really nice setup of his that like he had just got, and I just totally like jacked it off of him, what? which is like really, really screwed up of That's me. That's against your character, Henry. It, it was, it was, um, it was a lapse of a lapse of morality of fourteen year old Henry for sure. And I actually recently came out to him about that. Like him and I were just chilling and I was like, I'm gonna keep it a buck with you. This is what happened. Wow. Like, Damn. Because at the time we were also right around the corner from me, there was a there the storefront's still there, but it's just like this little storefront and at the time it was inhabited by a um a graffiti company. Um, it was just one guy, um, and he was like big, big in the graffiti scene, sold graffiti out of there. And I would just always kick it there. It was like a really small space with like a little couch, but I would just like hang out there all the time. My buddy, he, he doesn't matter if I drop his name, his name's Joey. Um, him and I would like always hang out there and we would just talk like, we would just hang out, you know? And then I kind of got this dude a little bit into fingerboarding, just kind of showing him like, you know, the cultural overlap between like graffiti and fingerboarding. And yeah. then of course graffiti and skateboarding and fingerboarding, like he had already known about he was pretty, in, pretty fairly knowledgeable of the skateboarding scene, so it made more sense, you know. Um, and then I remember the day that I, like, stole it off of him. Like, obviously Joey was like mad, distressed, and this guy was like, who's in his thirties, and we're cool now, like, you know. But like, he like came crazy at me. He was like, he's like, yo, like, I'll, I'm gonna tell the cops, like, I'm gonna tell your parents, like, your I was like, dude, I didn't take it, you know, of course. And I remember ended up, I gave Joey at the time, I gave him a. Um, like a G12 setup that I had. I forget how I even got it, but I gave him one of those. You stole it. Oh, We're going to have to cut this interview, dude. I know you stole it. No, I didn't. I didn't. The G12, Can't I think I got a trade. Anymore. <laughs> I'm canceled. <laughs> <laughs> FBI kicks in the door about this. Yeah. And I felt really bad about it. And um, 
I think, I mean, at the time, this is certainly not justification. This is just like explanation of my thought process was just like, he was just someone who like, to, to me, it felt like he didn't care. Like he didn't care enough about fingerboarding. And I was like, what's he doing? I remember like he, he bought this setup. It was a 32 mil. I remember the exact setup. It, it was a flat face G14J graphic, uh, BRTs, flat face wheels. And I remember he got like, he got like the 29 millimeter trucks like like it was like I was like you don't even like you know it's a 32 millimeter deck he was like oh you know I don't know which of course there's no justification like there's no reason for me to just be like okay well that means I get to take it yeah but like you know that's how I just like rationalized it in my 14 year old head um and I, yeah so I never told him and then recently and then and then actually recently when he got out of the marines I gave him a whole new setup which is really which worked out perfectly because now he's living with that dude who never stopped fingerboarding so now like he sends me clips and stuff it's really it's really cool and um, yeah, I came clean to him about about that. Yeah, that's so. good that you did that, and it's cool that like you gave him a new one, and yeah. now he's fingerboarding again and stuff like that. Yeah. Dang, I would not have expected that from you. Yeah, that's crazy. But yeah, I mean, like that just goes to show like nobody's perfect, and like we make mistakes, especially when we're younger. It's like very common to like do something that like looking back at it when you're older, you're like, how could I have possibly done that, or like. Even if you you figure out how you did it, you're just like I can't like I would never do that now like yeah. at all. It's not a reflection of me, but it's like at the time, it was. I mean, like when you're born, you don't know anything, and then as you get older, you learn things. So it's like everybody's learning different things, what to do, what not to do, and like sometimes you have to learn it by making the mistakes. So it's like it's cool that you shared that because like I feel like some people would be too embarrassed to share something like that yeah. because it's like oh that dude stole something like he wasn't just this good mannered kid he also did something bad but like it just brings in the whole realistic picture of like what it is to be a person it's like you're not going to always be perfect but you're always going to be getting better exactly as long as you make the effort to be getting better and not worse yeah you know i remember even when i was like telling him about it which really wasn't all that long ago it was probably within the past or i guess it was the past like year or two i guess um and during it he was like he was like, no, man, but, like, I get it. Like, you know, you were way better than me and all this stuff. And I was just like, this is not no I was like, no, dude, like, that's, it's not your fault that I stole something from you. Like, that's super not on you. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I think at that time, him and I were just, like, this weird, like, frenemy thing. And I was just like, I don't know. I, I mean, you know, I was just being yeah. stupid. I feel like also when you're younger, it's like, I don't know, some things, like, don't, like seem like they matter or something yeah like when you're later you're like oh i shouldn't have done that it makes sense because now i know like things about everything and like back then i didn't know anything about like you know what it is to be like friends with someone versus not friends and like how you should treat people that aren't your friends pretty well too so that you're not like you don't know all that stuff when you're a kid you just like and also for me i think it was like such a lack of perspective of like there are many skateboards like it, it it super doesn't I should not care at all how much he wants to, whatever degree he wants to get into this is like totally up to him. Yeah. Like just because I take it really seriously and Mm -hmm. don't spend a lot of money on it doesn't mean he can't not take it very seriously and put a bunch of money towards it if that's what he wants to do. But you know, at the time, like that was when fingerboarding was like really becoming most like kind of my whole life or, you know, a really, really significant part of it. Um, so like that was how I like that was the lens through which I was looking at most things. Yeah. Um, which you know is something you kind of grow up to realize of like, you know, people don't have to look at things the same way you do, and like you know, however much of of your life something takes up, it can take up a different amount of someone else's, and that's totally fine. Yeah. Yeah, 
definitely i know what you mean it's like it's easy to look at somebody else and just be like oh like they don't appreciate the thing that they have but it's like they might appreciate it more than you can see because they have a different relationship with that thing like you can't just be like oh i fingerboard two hours a day and he only fingerboards 10 minutes a day and it's like but what does that 10 minutes mean to him that might be his like only little time to get away and enjoy it and he loves that and it's like the same as like you have a little more time and you put two hours into it and it's like yeah yeah everybody has their own kind of relation with objects and hobbies and whatever but it's like you can't put yourself above them just because it's different exactly and like something like you know you just also learn it's like you know there's for most things or a lot of things at least like there's not really a wrong way to do them but like especially something like fingerboarding like there's really no wrong way to do it like it's just such like a an exercise in creativity where it's like there's really no wrong way Though I will say, um, just like a way that this kind of bled over into my personal life, I was so shook by like what the, this graf- the graffiti guy was saying. His name I won't drop just because in case. Um, but like, like I was so worried about like, yo, I'm telling your parents and telling the cops and all this stuff. Um, and Joey, to his credit, was always just like, he was like, no, don't like, I don't think he stole. It. Like, it's all good. Like, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to ruffle any feathers and all this stuff. Um, but, like, for the next, like, year or two, even, any time my home phone rang, like, my heart would sink somewhere oh. between my intestines. Like, I was, like, always so worried that this is, you know, it's Weehawk and PD calling me, and, you know, inquiring about a stolen fingerboard that there's Dude. wanted posters all over the town for, you know. Yeah. Or, like, that it would be, was like, him calling the house trying to get a hold of my, my mom or my parents or something. Like, that freaked me out for so long, like literally at the drop of a pin the second i heard the phone ring it was like such a pit in my stomach so i you know eventually i got over that the obviously. life of a criminal yeah no so, i mean seriously hey if you can't do the crime if you can't do the time don't do the crime and i totally could and i mean yeah. that was also like just another like realization to me of like yeah you know just ugh, like all the just like the, the ancillary consequences that come with that like just not being able to live normally i mean granted i was also just an anxious mess as you know i i suppose like but yeah, that was a that was the way that affected me. I, it's funny I totally forgot about that until not too long ago, where I realized like, oh yeah, like I remember that would like totally wig me out all the time. Yeah, that's crazy. There's a lot to be said about that, but I feel like it also speaks for itself. It's like, you know, <laughs> it's really we could go into a whole tangent here. I don't even know if we should, but but really, it basically comes down to what you said. Like, can't do the time, don't do the crime. Yeah. But it's like you know. It, even if you get away with it, because you basically got away with it, but you didn't. Like, there's always a consequence exactly. when you get away with something, you're not really getting away with it because you had, like, that crazy stress for, like, a year or two exactly. when the phone rang. And that's, like, it may not seem like much, especially to people that are younger listening and stuff, but, like, any little stressful thing like that that you have in your life, you don't need more of them. Because, like, one day something real stressful might happen and it's, like, you don't want other stuff piled on top of that if you have to deal with something more serious or like it's just a waste of your energy like you should do the best to be like in a good frame of mind and not be like scared when the phone rings yeah. so it's like don't steal something even if you know you'll get away with it because like somewhere else the consequence will come in even if it's not directly related to it's kind of like karma like if you believe in karma or not but it's like you can see that like if you do good things good things will kind of follow and if you do bad things bad things will kind of follow even if they're not directly like you didn't get caught by the police 
but you were scared of the phone ringing and then you were stressed all the time and like that could have contributed to your anxiety in general you might have had other anxiety or yeah and i mean look not for nothing too like i also you know i had hurt a friend which was unfortunate and then like you know i had to the the downstream effects of that like you know you're still hanging out and stuff and i had to like harbor this secret you know eventually once you're like yeah 17 18 like you that you know you kind of just forget about it and you know uh, know, your your life just turns to other things with that friend but uh you know for a while it's like you know it was just unfortunate but you know completely brought on by me so i can't really you know (laughs) cry the blues about it no it's a really cool like learning lesson like i'm assuming you didn't steal too much after that no i didn't (laughs) though i will say like (laughs) like you're talking about this for a lot longer like this friend and i like and it was like that friend trio like this other friend of mine like we would always like we were always like scheming on this one friend which is really really screwed up like we did take other stuff from him and uh, you know that stuff we like mostly gave back but yeah it was just um yeah, I, I mean, not for nothing. I think most of it had to do with, like, our relationship with the friend at that time more than, like, you know, our propensity to, to steal stuff. Right. Um, but either way, I mean, that's what we ended up doing, so. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy same, stuff. Same, you know, effect. Yep. Yeah. Probably a bunch of crazy stories about that, but we could, like, you know, <laughs> <laughs> we could chew up a lot of times talking about how I like how we account how we got away with all that stuff that's probably not even really worth it you know? <laughs> no definitely not um let's keep going so you went to your first rendezvous and how did you find out about rendezvous and then like what was what was it actually like going to that festival? yeah so it was from that um so the two friends are Joey and Yazid those were the two the two main guys who got me into fingerboarding um Yazid was the one who was really into it who then got Joey into it who then both of them got me into it um so Yazid was the most, um, most in the scene at the time. Like he was the one who showed us like your videos and all and all that stuff. Um, so and he, yeah, he just told me he's like yeah they have something called rendezvous and yeah they do this and showed sort of some videos of that. I was like oh that's really cool. <coughs> um, and yeah, when I actually went, it was just like it was such like a such a trip. It was such a cool experience. I remember getting like just like nervous diarrhea in the uh, in the bathroom in the in the place that smelled in the location that, that Rendezvous 15 was at. It was the one that smelled like uh, French toast. Yeah. French toast sticks. Um, and I remember I saw, when I was leaving the bathroom, I saw Chuck Pete and Zach McLean, uh, Wob, um, and they were like, well, they was like, oh, hey, what's up, man? I was like, oh, and you know, these guys are like way older than me. I'm like, oh, hey, you know, and then... So that, and then later on, you know, I ended up being, becoming cool with them and finding out who they actually were, which was fun um but then i remember being online and i met two dudes um both of whom whose names i remember but uh but i you know just won't say it because i don't think it matters too much but um and i just hit it off with them online uh they were friends from massachusetts and they were fingerboarding for a bit and i remember like i was trying a bunch of different people's setups and that was the first time like they had like i tried like really loose trucks this is when tkys were big so like trucks were just like completely flopping all around i couldn't (laughs) believe it um and long story short i ended up becoming like one of the dudes i was online with had a a a company a really you know crappy fingerboard company but he ended up sponsoring me uh he he sponsored the other guy we were in line with and a few other people we actually had a pretty tight-knit team that james peterson was on i think i was telling you and i just saw james the other day at the event and we were just talking, like, reminiscing on that. It was, like, a really cool team because we actually, like, we had, like, a Facebook group. We all, like, got along. We all stacked clips and stuff. Cool. But the, um, 
the, the boards were horrible, but that's like all I use because you're sponsoring me, so I'll use them. Um, the boards were horrible, and then the the guy like completely scammed me. He scammed a bunch of people when he was like when he was sauntering out the door of the fingerboard scene. He like he like he had like this bowl or whatever. He was like, dude, I don't even want it. I was like, really? I'll buy it off you. He's like, word, just pay how many ten bucks. So I did, and then he just never sent it. And I wasn't too pressed about it because it was like ten bucks, and I was like, all right, obviously something's up with this dude. I know his name. I like, and I've I've looked for him in the past couple of years. I can't. The dude's a ghost. I can't find him anywhere. Um, but yeah, I've always wanted to just hit him up and be like, Hey, like, look, I'm not even mad, but what was all that about? Um, (laughs) but yeah, so that was like probably like one of the really cool things that came out of that rendezvous, just like the relationships I fostered with that, with those people and what that turned into. Um, you know, just being able to see like all the people who in the videos that I watched and, you know, I was like, Oh, this is so cool. I remember Zeph Pendleton was there and I tried his setup. And I, it was his trucks were so loose that it popped out of the base plate. That <laughs> never would even remotely happen to one of my setups because I just use like stock, you know, China trucks, so they were like fairly tight or whatever. Yeah. When that, you tr- thought you broke it. I thought I broke it. When that hanger popped out, I was like, oh, I probably it's turned like when pale. Patrick opened the pickle. Yeah. <laughs> I broke it. I broke it. <laughs> yeah, dude, it was like it was terrifying so like and then i gave it to him he's like oh word it's all good and then he just pops it in I'm like, <sighs> okay cool um yeah so that's like i got to really see how how people did their setups like you know the variety of them yeah. i remember the exact setup i pulled up with it was a roswell's complete it was like a blue dip with a flat face uh flat face it was a flat face vinyl but i didn't know you had to peel the thing off so nice. it was like still that on <laughs> i wore a flat face temporary tattoo on my hand because i was a badass um <laughs> Yeah, with like green trucks and I think like white wheels. Or no, I think red wheels. And that's like what I rocked that day until I got that J deck. Yeah. So, awesome. uh, yeah, net net, it was a really, really cool time. And it was cool enough that I haven't missed one since, you know? Yeah, that's amazing. The dedication to not miss one since. Like, even, even one, you know, there wasn't even a single one you didn't go to. Like, that's awesome. I've also been to all of them. Have you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's funny too, because like, you know, there are friends of mine who, like, fin- like fingerboard friends of mine who, like, they'll miss them sometimes. And, and I don't mean ones, you know, in California or whatever. I mean, like, friends in Massachusetts or, like, in New England or the tri-state area. Yeah, I'm used to it. Like, I don't expect any specific person to definitely be there. I'm just like, you know, they'll probably be there. Maybe not. Yeah. If they're not, they'll be at the next one. And but so many of them, like, they'll say, like, you know, oh, I can't. I have work that day. Which, like, I, to- I totally get. But it's also like, you know, you announce the dates ahead of time. Yeah, you could have asked for work like five months in advance. Yeah. like that's like usually long enough to get the day off. Totally. Like, <laughs> I remember when I was like in middle school, high school, whatever, kind of being like, yeah, I'm going to make it to all of them that I can. But, and you know, when I start working one day, like maybe it'll be harder and maybe I will have to miss one here and there. Um, but I like to think that I'll be able to ask for the day off ahead of time and like really just make, you know, plan the trip around that or whatever. And I've been working the past two years. And I've been still been able to make them with yeah with, with relative ease, you know, because you yeah. find a date. Hey, can I get this day off or whatever? Or I mean, technically, I don't need to take the day off because I don't work on weekends. I get that people do, um, but yeah, I mean, but once again, like this is just my bitterness that I don't get to see my friends. But once again, it's like you know, if you care more about like working that day than you about coming to the event, and I don't mean that in a disparaging way. I mean that in, like the truest sense of that sentence. Like yeah, then you know that's. 
that's how that's how you look at it and that's fine like there's there's nothing wrong with that you know as much as i do want to see you and i would love if you would come out you know yeah no it's it's a great time to see everybody like that we don't get to see that often and they're from everywhere all different places so it's like you got to make the effort to do it when you can. Yeah, which is exactly. Twice a year. When that, it happens. That's the thing. Like, look, I totally get like not making all the store sessions and stuff. Like, totally. But these are, you know, I, I look at these as pretty momentous, you know, and yeah. so infrequent. So that's yeah. why. And a lot of good things happens happen at every single one. It's a lot like of good things. Yeah. I've done. Yeah, I've done so many good things at Ronnie David. I've done so many cool things that. Yeah. You want to share some? I mean, getting to chill specific? with a guy from. Wu Tang Clan, like that was awesome. You know what I mean. Most people don't get to. Most people don't get to do that, right? I mean, um, being part of that great big story thing, that was really cool. Um, <laughs> when we pulled up to the the warehouse and it was just me, you, and those two producers, like that was really fun. Um, I mean, you know, and, like that's that's to ignore all like the just the awesome conversations and sessions and clips and just general good times that you get to have there yeah yeah i mean all fun stuff i mean realistically if you gave me like the, you know i could probably think about a thousand like concrete like awesome experiences i've had at rendezvous and stuff like that but you know off off the dome like that's a couple you know yeah definitely so i'm curious how come when you were like starting to get interested in fingerboarding you were like too reserved to buy one you were like, you know, you don't spend your money on anything and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, why don't you spend your money on anything? Like, I think it's really important to save and have good, like, financial etiquette, so to speak. But also, it's like, what's the money for then? You know, if you're not going to spend it on something, sometimes. Yeah, no, totally. I mean, I think it's just part of my upbringing. My mom was very cheap. Um, y y you know, not to say, like, I would say she was like, you know, if you ever seen everybody hates Chris and like how how like cheap the parents are and it's like you know second year not using a thing to like shut it and all the lights off all the time it wasn't like always like that but you know she uh, definitely ingrained in me perhaps to a fault the importance of saving money and it's funny literally just like last week or something I got a new guitar pedal um, and I I got a cheap one I got like a budget guitar pedal and my mom's boyfriend who also plays guitar was just reaming me about like. You don't spend money on anything. This is something to spend money on. You like doing it. You should do it. Don't, you know. Don't cheap out when it matters yeah. or when it's that important to you. So I think it just <laughs> kind of stems from that. And, you know, growing up, like, my family, like, yeah, we definitely weren't poor, I wouldn't say. But, um, yeah, we weren't, like, super great financially. And, and perhaps we were, I don't know. I don't know if we were better or worse than I perceived us to be. But, um, and I, I don't know. I guess this just always came from my, like, wanting to just like be mindful and polite but like i would just like try to never ask my parents for money um but i even remember at like that first rendezvous or one of the first time my dad brought me to he was like how so how much money do you need for to go in not like an entry fee but like how much money do you need to like actually enjoy yourself and buy stuff and have a good time i was like oh don't worry about it he was like no how much i was like i mean he was like would 50 bucks help i was like i mean if you want to like that would be fine and he just gave me a hundred you know what i mean like yeah that's awesome it, you know so it, you know it wasn't you guys weren't poor. Exactly. And I feel like, yeah, I always feel bad talking about it because, like, you know, I don't exactly know the financial situation. Well, it's also, like, if you don't have a lot of money but you save really well, you can live a comfortable-ish. Like, you know, you don't have to be struggling as much versus if you carelessly spend when you don't have too much money, then you have no money right away. You yeah. Know? And a lot of people, even who have big incomes, 
have no money because they spend it too easily. Yeah. So it's better to be on the side of caution and spend less, but at the same time is to know like when you should spend something. You know, it's like, oh, this special event I go to twice a year, maybe I should bring some money in and buy something I want because like I'll cherish it forever and use it and it's my favorite hobby. And like, you know, it's not a waste. It's not like you're buying a guitar pedal, but you don't even play guitar really and you just want to try it out. It's like, no, you play guitar like you've been doing it a long time. Yeah. Get the good one. Totally. Yeah. And, <laughs> and, you know, I think part of it too, and I mean, I guess like it spills over till today, to today. So like, I don't know how much this is, but like, I think as a kid, like I didn't have such an understanding of like my, like the money I actually had available to me, like, you know, from whatever it be, my bar mitzvah, birthdays, or whatever, like, I had, you know, however much money I had in the bank, which was, you know, very little, but, like, was I actually able to, like, go to the Walgreens and go buy a tech deck if I wanted, you know, spend three bucks, like, I probably could have done that, I just didn't even really know that I could have, same, and the yeah. same thing with, like, you know, going to rendezvous when I was younger, it was, like, um, you know, if I spend this money, I just don't know when, when I'd get it back, where it's different nowadays, obviously, because, like, you know, i I have a salary, so I, you know, make money on a consistent basis or, you know, it comes in on a consistent basis. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't regret, for the record, I don't regret buying the cheaper guitar pedal only because I'm still, like, I'm still building a pedal. There's, like, some guitar stuff to it. I'm just, like, building a pedal board, so I'm just, like, figuring out sounds that I, like, like and want to dabble with. So I don't, I don't regret doing that, but it was just funny that, like, yeah. I essentially had this conversation, like, two weeks ago, not <laughs> even... Um, you know, it's funny. A lot of ways you remind me of my brother and just like random yeah. personality things. And then also a thing with him is that like he never spent money. Like he was very uh, like careful with it. He would never want to buy anything, even if he wanted something. It's just like, uh, yeah, I want it and I have the money, but I don't want to spend the money. So I'll just not get it. Mm-hmm. And like you guys both seem similar in that way, too. And it's just funny to see like how the personalities are like so similar in different ways. And look, I will say I... I spent a lot of money on fingerboarding, like, over over the years. Like, I definitely had and had. Yeah. But most of it, I, I guess really what it came down to is almost all of it I spent, like, two people. Like, like buying stuff off of people. Your friends and stuff. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, like, actually, we should probably talk about, like, the fingerboard forums. Like, cause only because yeah. that was such a, such a springboard for me into the community and, like, that, like, really ingratiated me into the scene so much. Uh, basically, Fingerboard HQ was really big at the time. Oh, um, I forgot about that one. Yeah. So, like, I kind of missed the FFI wave. Um, I, like, had an account, but at that time, it was, like, fairly dead. Uh, but everyone was on FBHQ. And Fingerboard FBHQ, well, I guess uh, FFI had it too, but they had a chat, bo- a chat box where, you know, you could just log in and you could see who's who's in and you would just, you know, chop it up with people. Cool. Um, so that was really, really cool. You got to know so many people there. Um people who I'm still friends with today. And then, you know, you had, you could just talk about all, you know, fingerboard comings and goings across the forum. And then there was like the buy, sell, trade section. So I would do a lot of that. I would definitely like buy from people. And I would do a lot of trading too. Um, so, you know, I think that even with my lack of spend, or like I said, it's really, it was more like a lack of spend on like buying things brand new from a site uh, where, you know, you also have to pay shipping and stuff like that. I was just like, I would look for good deals on the, on the buy sell trade sections and yeah. pull the trigger on those. Yeah, that's cool because you can save money and you can find things yeah. that might be rare already. And I I, or, I got to try so many things that way. I mean yeah. now like my approach is just like 
I really like having one, maybe two setups. <clears throat> and that's how I've been for, <clears throat> excuse me, that's probably been for probably the past, I don't know, six years, give or take, maybe a little less than that. Um, but I mean, before that, I was really big on like, I mean, I had dozens of setups all the time. Yeah. Um, because I was just able to pull from all over. Oh, yeah, I'll buy Zona Wood for 15. Oh, Andy threw in this deck. Oh, cool. And then, you know, use that for whatever. And yeah, you know, set them all up with China trucks or China wheels that people might toss in as an extra. Or hey, if you have a set laying around, I'll throw in an extra five or 10 for you to include those so I could set it up or whatever, you know? Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, it worked out. It worked out very well. I, I remember. I like that approach. Yeah. yeah. Cool. What kept you fingerboarding all these years? Is it actually the rendezvous and the people and stuff, or is there something before that that like really keeps you fingerboarding? Um, so no, it's definitely not the people, and it's not like it's not the people. You know, it's not that I don't love them, but it's just more like whether the people were there or not, I probably would still be doing it or be liking it anyway. Yeah. Because um, I mean, realistically, I don't fingerboard all that much anymore. You know, not nearly as much as I used to. I mean, that really kind of, I kind of teetered off like probably my senior year of high school and then freshman year of college. And then after that, <clears throat> uh, more so fell off the radar um, or, and just started doing it less. But I mean, I mean, what just, what keeps me doing it or like what keeps me, what I think is so cool about it, what I like the most about it, what I always like the most about it is just like, just how easy it is to do in the sense of like, you can just kind of do it wherever you can invest pretty little mental bandwidth into doing it. You know, you could just be watching something while doing it. You know, you could just be vegging out and do it. Uh, and you could also obviously get like super dialed and there's a time and place for that where that's awesome. Um, yeah. So that's probably because theoretically like I can be, and I, you know, I am, I could be friends with the fingerboard friends and not fingerboard, you know, people yeah. like Tim and Kevin H and, I mean, you know, I can crispy. I can name you know a thousand like yeah, people who I'm find... friends with, even though we don't really fit. Waterfall Dave is yeah. really like one of my one of my closer friends. Period nowadays, and you know, it's, it's we don't fingerboard together all that often, even. Um, yeah, you get other hobbies also like shared interests and stuff. So exactly, it's like it goes beyond fingerboarding, and then sometimes you'll pick up the fingerboard together. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah, really like. Actually, I want to tell a quick Kevin H story cool. because, like, I've told this story to people and like no one's ever laughed. But I think it's one of like the funniest, coolest things that happened to me, at least relating to. I'm already laughing. That's it, already funny. It's like, it, all right. So basically, it was like <laughs> great story. <laughs> hey, all right, we can cut it. Um, we um, <coughs> this was like, I believe it was the summer going into my senior year of high school. So that would be summer of 2016, and I was like dating talking to this girl at a time who was vegan this is important to the story so she's vegan as is kevin h and yeah. i would always just tell and, and kevin h by the way is from uh by me in jersey um so i would always like yeah you know, i would always tell her about like oh yeah my my vegan buddy kevin h from jersey and all this stuff yeah he's like a fingerboard friend but he does you know he does this like oh you guys like you know they knew like similar restaurants and stuff and i would talk to them both i was like oh yeah you know you'd love him and all this stuff um, one day I was at her house with like a bunch of our mutual friends or whatever. And they're all just like kind of hanging. I was like flipping through the channels and I put on Viceland to watch King of the Road. I think it was the first season they did King of the Road on TV as opposed to just on Thrasher. Um, so I just had it on and mind you, a couple weeks or months prior, you had texted me asking if I wanted to do a shoot for Vice of sorts. <laughs> 
And I was like, yeah, sure, totally, let me know. And they're like, okay, cool, like, because they wanted to film it in the city and you didn't want to travel out there, so you, you know, you threw my name in the ring, which you had also done with a couple of other things, which were really cool that I ended up getting to do. Um, so a few weeks passed, and like, I'd never hear anything from Vice, and I was like, whatever, it doesn't matter to me. <clears throat> then, so I turn on King of the Road, we're watching, and then like it fades to commercial or something, and then there's someone fingerboarding. And I'm like, oh, no way. And then all my friends are like, oh, you know, they're pointing at me. Oh, Buster, look at that. Everyone running from, mostly everyone running from calls me Buster, so that's the nickname there. But they're like, oh, Buster, look at you, you know, whatever. And I'm like, oh, no way, that's wild. And then I'm looking, and I recognize not only the hand, which I like, I can, you know, I can kind of pinpoint, but I also recognize the setup. It was Kevin H's. <laughs> so it was 1,000% it was Kevin H. And it was like a purple, I think it was like a purple Preet or Berlinwood at the time. Um, yeah, so he's like fingerboarding with that. So in like a span of like, I don't know, five to eight seconds or whatever, my brain is processing like, oh, there's a fingerboard on the screen. Oh, I know them. Oh, it's Kevin H. And then someone's like, oh, that's the vegan. That's the, that's the fingerboarding vegan guy and all this stuff. And the best part about it was on, <laughs> on his fingerboard, he had a red Airflow sticker, Airflow Rails, that they blurred out, <laughs> which is hysterical. And I remember telling, you know, he told David Smith about it. He was like, oh, you know, I, I don't want it blurred out. You know, I want the promotion. I, was, I thought that was hysterical that they, that they blurred it out and he didn't get the free promo. That's but, uh, so good. That was just one of like the trippiest, like one of the more trippy fingerboard experiences of my life. Where yeah. I was just like, "Whoa, that is crazy!" And it could have been me, <laughs> which I have not uh, let go, and I'm still bitter about. Yeah, I don't know how he got that one. Yeah, <laughs> dude, that's crazy though. There yeah. it is again there it is on again. TV now. Yeah, yeah. insane. <laughs> I also did that thing for Cheddar, which you set me up with, which was really cool. Um, and it's funny now because now I work in PR, so like we do or we we do a lot of work with Cheddar, like getting our clients on Cheddar. Cool. Uh, and it's just kind of funny that I remember one time I was like in the office and I overheard a few of my. This is when I was like newer, and not like I won't talk about fingerboarding. I don't mind, but like sometimes it's a it's a big topic to bring up, like yeah, because then they want to know like, well, wait, how into it are you? You know, like and what does it really look like and all this stuff. So sometimes it's not a conversation I want to enter into, especially if I have work to do. And I overheard like a few of them talking about uh, their experiences with Cheddar and like landing, you know, landing placements on there and stuff. And I just remember being like, "Hmm, should I tell them?" Nah. And then I just, you know, I just kind of kept moving. But I, uh, yeah, I remember that that happened. That was, that was really that was a cool cool time. Yeah, you want to talk more about that for people who are not familiar? Yeah, for um, totally. So. This was also summer going into my senior, summer of 2016. Uh, Mike texted me, basically said that this brand called Cheddar, they were new at the time, this was like their inaugural season or whatever. Um, they wanted to do a bit on fingerboarding, but same thing, they wanted to film in the city. They were someone that, filming in uh, the Flatiron building. You didn't run a pocket all the way out to the city, which I get. Like I said earlier, I live super close, so pointed me, pointed them in my direction. Uh, yeah, we booked a date. I went in. And we just did like a, I don't even know, five to 12, five to 15 minute, I forget how long, segment on fingerboarding. Uh, I brought my setups and, you know, I brought a couple ramps and it was all live. Uh, they gave me no background as to what they were going to talk to me about. I mean, besides just, you know, fingerboarding. So just like this podcast. 
Just like this podcast. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Except at least I have like a couple hours here to like, you know, rephrase stuff if I want to. There it was just like rapid fire back to back. Yeah. And um and I also remember when I walked in and it, it was like because it was all live, it was like segments. So they were filing someone out and they were filing me in. So it was like you know, pretty quick That's turn. That's crazy. I didn't realize it was live. Yeah, yeah, it was live. It was like a quick turn. It was, Ooh. yeah. Um, and I remember when I walked into, I saw the prompter was up and they had a question on the prompter. And then the first question they asked was not that question. So that like totally like off rip just threw me. Whoa. Because I was like, oh, I like mentally prepared for that answer. Yep. And then they're asking something different. Um, I think I made it through okay. People said I did all right on that one. Which was cool. I wasn't honestly, I wasn't too flustered. I have a background in child acting that you may or may not know about. So Whoa. I was like not super flustered with that. Um, I didn't know. You're going to have to get into that. <laughs> sure. It's not, it's not an illustrious one by any means. But at least I had like a little bit of experience just like being on, a, like, on camera. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I just um, did that. And that was really cool. That was really cool that you pointed me in that direction. And it's just funny how it's become a bit full circle now that like, Cheddar is also huge now. Like I said, that was like their first season. They're a lot bigger now. They're actually on TV. They were purely online at that point, I believe. And now, like, we work with them at my job, which is just funny. Crazy. Yeah. Damn. Uh, how'd you get the nickname Buster? My brother wanted to name me Buster before I was born. My brother's three years older than me. My parents <laughs> said they would. They didn't. Oh. Um, so that's what he just <laughs> called me. Um, and then, so, I mean, everyone just followed suit with that. My parents usually call me that, or at least my, I guess my dad calls me kind of 50-50, but my mom calls me Buster usually. All my brother's friends, who I'm really close friends with most of them, they all call me Buster. You know, obviously, it just kind of spills over and a bunch of people yeah. call me that. But it was, it was after Buster Baxter from Arthur. <laughs> the show, my brother's a big fan when he was a kid. Wow. My brother's probably, I can probably count on my hands and feet the amount of times my brother's called me Henry. <laughs> you know, so, yeah. Crazy. I didn't even know that. I've known you for nine years and I'm still learning. Yeah, I've been yeah. learning more this weekend than ever. Yeah. That's part of the point of the podcast. I was like, I want to get to know my friends like on a way deeper level in a way that you don't normally like, you know, somebody for a long time, you get so comfortable with them, but you never actually like know their full story. You just like get little snippets here and there all the time. Yeah. And so especially cool. too, like with you in particular, like I remember this happened like last rendezvous where like, I mean, you know, you're hosting, like, however many people you are at your house, and, you know, it's, like, exhausting and draining, and, like, there's just, like, never the right time to, like, really engage you in, like, some really, you know, some conversation at length, because, um, yeah. you know, because I get it, it's just, that's, it, hosting takes a lot out, hosting that many people takes a lot out of you. Yeah, sometimes I feel like I get to see everyone for five minutes each, and Exactly. That's it. So it's, like, you know, and, you know, I think most people recognize, like, rendezvous is usually not the time to broach greater topics with you unless it's like it's unless it's like really pointed and like specific but like and that's why I like coming out you know outside of rendezvous also yeah. or, you know just like time totally. to actually catch up and like be cool though I have a question yeah. for you cool. so I know we kind of briefly touched on it you one of the big things I've said to a bunch of people um about like our relationship is I was I was always like yeah you know I was like I'm, I'm tight with Mike. We're definitely cool. But one thing about him is he doesn't use social media much. And a big way I stay in contact with people is literally just through the exchange of memes. I see a, a <laughs> meme, I scroll through, oh, that makes me think of this person. And, you know, you have the usual suspects you send all your memes to or whatever. Like, you know, I have my eight some odd people that, like, consistently get my memes. But, like, 
you know, sometimes, and that's just like how we stay in contact. And then if there's one that really strikes a chord one way or the other, you know, you can talk it through and, oh yeah, actually that made me think, what about this? And you ask a question and yeah, that's how we kind of converse. But you didn't seem to do that much, or at least with me. And, and I also was not, I wasn't, I wasn't going to DM you because I always imagine your inbox is probably fairly full. So I was like, you know, I'm not going to bother him there. Um, and then lately you have been like way more active and like you send me posts and like all this and all this stuff. And I feel like I was like, this is great. Like I'm actually engaging with him again, uh, which was really cool. Now, granted for, for the viewer, there was also last rendezvous or two rendezvous ago, I found out that I had your wrong number for a while. <laughs> so I was texting you like not a bunch, but I remember like I texted you, I texted you happy birthday. I like texted you like asking if I could come, you know, asking if I could come stay. Um, and no the answer. person, no, not even really, no answer. They were leaving me on red. They had their red receipts on, and they would open it and not respond. So I was like, "What's up with Mike? Like, oh, man. why is he the not responding?" The funny thing is, when you were talking about memes, I was gonna say like, "Why didn't you just text me or something?" Because like, then I would see it. Well, yeah, no, totally. So like, that's hilarious. I mean, it's, yeah. it's, exactly. So that was the thing. It was like I was texting you, and you weren't. I mean, it wasn't you, but you weren't responding. Yeah. Last rendezvous <laughs> or two rendezvous ago, I forget what it was. Yeah, we I was, figured it out. I was coming up here with Waterfall Dave. And we were like, yeah, he was like, yeah, text Mike and, you know, ask if we could come through tonight. I was like, yeah. So I did. I texted you earlier in the week and you didn't respond. But I was like, you know, maybe he's getting stuff set up. I get it. And then I texted you that night and same thing. So we're like, all right, this is weird. Um, and I was also, you know, I was a little, a little tight too. I was like, this is, you know, I mean, you can't you gotta tell me no. Um, <laughs> so either way, like, we just stayed at the hotel that night. And the next day I was going to ask you at rendezvous. But you ended up leaving early, so I didn't get to catch you. So I texted you a third time asking, and you let, not you, but they left me on red again. And then I was, I remember I was at uh, 99, the restaurant with a few people. And one of them was like, who my friends with, was like, dude, I, I actually don't know if you should pull up or not. Like, the, like that's three, like two times asking, I get it, but three, and he's not responding. Like, that might be a thing. And, and I'm probably thinking in my head, like, where's Henry been? I haven't heard from him in a while. <laughs> I was literally thinking, I was like, uh, eventually I was just kind of like, Look, I'm just gonna show up. If he had like, if he has an issue with me, like we, we'll just we have to talk it through. If he tells me to to piss off and leave, I'll leave. Whatever, like, but I, we should probably hash whatever this is out, you know. Yeah. And oh then I God. talked to Ryan, and he was like, "All right, what what are the last four digits you have?" I read them out. He's like, "That's not it." And I was like, "Oh my God!" But what dude. a jerk the other dude to just leave me, like, just not, not even, even say respond. like you got the wrong number. Yeah. Hey, this isn't Mike. Yeah. Word. Cool. I yeah. remember then I was going somewhere with Dave later, and he, I think we were like going back, coming back to your place or going to another event. He was like, "Yeah, invite, invite the guy at Mike's old number," which I thought was funny. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, man. Well, so I'm glad we're. I thought we had a. I, like, I was yeah, literally experiencing. I thought this was a falling out that I had no idea what I did wrong. Yeah, I, was like, this is I remember when you were here last. You told me about this, and it was just hilarious. Was... But I felt bad because I was like. I can't believe you thought there was like tension or something. I, I, I didn't until that third text really yeah. where I was like, this is just crazy. But yeah, yeah. so all's good. All's good now. Yeah. yeah, I'm a mysterious person online. I try to like not use it as much as possible. And if I use it now, I try to be more intentional about it. So I'm not like wasting my whole day on there and looking at things and whatever. And just like, I try to only open it up when I have something specific I want to post or someone specific I want to message. And then sometimes when I go to message people, I'll see other ones and then I'll kind of get pulled into it a little and try to answer a few. Um, but I'm trying to do less of it and not use social media too much. Just use it, use it when there's a reason to and that's it. And so, 
But then other times it's like, I don't know, certain times you just want to look at funny things on there. So it's like I go on there and look at funny things. And then I'm like, this one reminds me of like Henry or like I think Henry would think this is funny. So I'm going to send it to him like, you know, that's that's, you know, like you get your meme friends, but you only send certain ones to certain people depending what you think they'll like or not because you don't want to waste their time and send them like stuff that's boring to them and so i don't totally. know lately there's been more ones that i'm just like henry would like this like <laughs> i forget why i feel like it was something something from the last time we hung out i picked up on some kind of little cue okay. and I, I was like okay like i just like figured out what his like humor, <laughs> like where our humors overlap i picked yeah. something up and then that's where it's kind of been like re memed re memed yeah. yeah, and it was funny too because I remember you were you were posting like for a while you were posting these things about like how you're doing like technology cleanses and you were like you know not gonna be on or whatever. And I remember thinking like okay like <laughs> I'm never gonna talk to Mike again like he's gonna <laughs> fall off the face of the earth. Um, but I'm glad he came around to it too, just because like I mean obviously there's like so much like you know really scary stuff about technology and stuff that we like want to avoid and make sure we don't fall into any traps. But like, there's also a lot of good stuff and cool stuff about yeah. it like. It's silly to just, you know, ignore all, like, all the really significant upsides of, like, being able to be in constant contact with people and, like, right. all over the place and, yeah, you know, might as well take advantage nothing. of it, you know. Yeah. yeah, and it's, like, I do, sometimes I'll take, like, a day or even longer where I don't use any technology. I shut everything off, and there's, like, when I do that, I commit to it, and there's no exceptions, you know, like... Mm-hmm. It's funny, the first time I did it, I didn't really tell... Maybe I told my parents or something, like, hey, I'm shutting my phone off for a day. I want to see if it's if I can even do it, you know? And But I didn't tell anyone else. And I turned my phone on the next day, and, like, I had, like, 30 texts, like, because Jay noticed I wasn't, like, active anywhere online, and he, like, got really worried. And then he, like, asked other people if they had talked to me and stuff. Oh, jeez. Like, it was, like, the first 24 hours of no technology, I was like, no one's going to notice a thing, you know? It's going to be hard for me but no one else will. Yeah. And I felt like it was harder for everyone else than it was for me. <laughs> I really enjoyed it. So I started doing it. I tried to do it once a week, but lately I've been like not doing it. But once in a while I still do. It's just like, it's hard to do it every week because I've been doing the podcast. Like that uses technology. I got to get in touch with people and make plans. So yeah. it's not easy. But when you do it, I have to say like, it's a very refreshing experience because you shut your phone off and your computer off and the first few hours you're always thinking like oh i gotta take a picture of this and send it to this person and or like oh i want to ask this person this and then you're like you're about to reach for it and you're like oh yeah i can't though and then eventually those thoughts like stop coming and you realize there's a part of your brain that's always thinking about your what you're doing and how it can relate to technology you know and that that's like an active process that like kind of shuts off or slows down once you realize like okay that's not available right now and eventually you get into the zone of like okay what's around me in my house who's with me in person what things have I been wanting to do and maybe getting too distracted with other things or like you know is there a book that I've been wanting to read or a room I've been wanting to clean stuff like that and you're just way more grounded in your actual reality like where you physically are and you can live more in the moment and less in the digital space of like ultra connectivity which like you said is really amazing but i don't think it's good to be there all the time yeah it's good to have a break yeah i mean it's it's interesting too like like i said i was a boy scout so i have 
plenty of nights of camping under my belt and um you know especially in those later years like when i had a cell phone and like you know the the real advent of accessible smartphones when like just everyone had one and you know you'd go camping for a couple days or a week or whatever and it's like at a certain point you just kind of have to make your bones with okay i cannot i can't use this thing and you just have to kind of force your brain to shut off <clears throat> i mean even this weekend was like i didn't have i don't have great reception up here <clears throat> so like like, you know, I, I just kind of have to make do with, like, okay, I just can't really use my phone too much. Which, yeah. like, at first, like, you know, like, like you said, you're, you kind of start, your head starts spinning a bit of, like, y you know, you're so used to, like, all that accessibility and all that, like, content or whatever. And, yep. and like, you just kind of have to put it by the wayside. For me, it's, like, a little, not just for me in particular, for a bunch of people, it's a little harder. Like, my job is just, like, pretty intertwined with tech. So, like, you know... And granted, it was a weekend, so it's not like, you know, I'm fielding that many work texts or emails or whatever, but like, you, you know, know. it's Monday right now, right? It's Monday. I took off today. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, but even though, like, my phone's buzzing, like, I am getting a bunch of emails and stuff right now that I, you know, yeah. I don't need to answer today, but mm -hmm. gonna need to answer them at some point, you know, or look at them. Yeah. So it's, it's from that, uh, from that angle, it's hard to completely shut off unless you know you can do it forever. But you kind of can't because, you know, you can put it away for however long you can. But eventually yeah. knowing you have to get back to it is like it's hard to stuff that emotion away. But I mean, like, that's not a problem unique to me. Like that is like that's a problem that I'd, I'd argue to say the majority of adult Americans are feeling. Yeah, you could say everyone has that practically. Exactly. And yeah. For me, when I do take the breaks, a lot of times I don't want to turn the thing back on like it's like, yeah. okay, it's been like the set amount of time that I committed to. It's been, you know, it's been a day and now it's time to turn it on. And it's like, sometimes I go a little bit longer because I'm not dying to get back to it because I'm like, I probably have a lot of messages. I probably have a lot of this and that. And sometimes I'm, I'm ready to get back to it because I have too many ideas and I just want to do them because I do a lot of things on the computer and yeah. stuff that like translates to real things happening in real life. So it's important. But there's times when I'm just like... No, I'm chilling. I'm relaxing. Like, and, I don't know, need to get it this instant. Maybe in two hours. From my experience, too, it's interesting how quick the change happens. Like, considering how ingrained we are, like, in tech. Yeah. It, It's funny that it really only takes 24 hours, give or take, for your brain to, like, kind of reset to our homo sapien mode and just kind of <laughs> be like, oh, like, I don't need that. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I would, I would think it would take a lot longer. But realistically, once it's away for, like, a day or so it's it's easy to keep to keep that going if you're if you're like able to you know what i mean if there was nothing forcing you to pick the phone back up you know like a work call or something like that um then like you could actually feasibly keep it away i mean what's funny for me is like obviously i just go on instagram to like you know hit all the right dopamine receptors and stuff but i mean granted i also use it to like like at my job i, I do like a fair amount of like sports pr so like i, I need to be or i, I at least I, I really like to be up on sports knowledge and you know the current comings and goings um and like so you know when i'm like off my phone for two three days or whatever it's almost it's like daunting for me to get back on and be like oh, i'm just gonna have to like scroll through instagram and see who are the players who got traded who's like what's this going on <clears throat> and just see like all the all the stuff that i i miss and it like becomes like a, a daunting task i mean granted you know you hammer it out in like half an hour or something but you yeah yeah I know what you mean. It's like the longer you're away from it, the more you're like, now I have so much catching up to do. 
Exactly. It's not going to be like the fun normal amount of catching up. It's going to be like an excessive amount that and, I'm forced to use. It. And not even just on like, you know, like, for, you know, for example, like work stuff is like, you know, you know, you're going to have to do that. And like, you know, that's going to be a task. But it's like with something like checking social media, like, I mean, most people actually use Twitter, but I, I just don't use Twitter for whatever reason. So for me, it's Instagram. But like, it's like this is normally something that's supposed to be like super leisurely. And like, this is about to like become a thing for me. But that, yeah, but it's okay. But yeah. Yeah. We'll see how it evolves. That we will. <laughs> how about your job? Where You mentioned you've been doing uh, PR work. Yeah. Did you get into that through fingerboarding, or is there any connection? Or No, no connection there. Or, or I mean, you know, maybe in the very tenuous one of, like, fingerboarding was a huge part of my life. It probably shaped me in ways that, like, I don't exactly realize, but no real di- direct yeah. connection. Um, um, what <laughs> Hi, Rhombus. It's Chomulus. Yeah. So how do so, you get into that? She's now? very distracting. Um, what's it called? Basically, um, so I went to college for business. I was a business administration major. Had a couple marketing internships while I was in college. Um, and then last, my last year or so of college, I was like, okay, I ha- which I graduated in 2021 for whatever, for context. Um, and I was like, okay, I have like, some pretty strong like marketing internships. I think I had like three at that point or whatever. And I was like, and, and you know, like different facets of mar- marketing, like digital marketing and some strategy stuff. So I was like, let me see if I could get like a PR internship, which is like kind of the, a different side of the same coin. So just get like a more like holistic un- uh, understanding of it. Um, so I started applying around at PR agencies to get an internship just to see, I was like, you know, so I'll check it out, see which one I like more. And then from there I'll decide like, which specific field I want to approach. Um, and I applied for the internship. I didn't, well, I actually did get it. They just didn't let, like, the, the, I, went, I went about it in an interesting way. I pretty much, um, <coughs> like, went on to LinkedIn. I looked up a bunch of different PR firms. I, I started checking out different PR firms. I went on their LinkedIn, and I would find, like, some executives there, and I would just basically send them a pitch with, like, it's your boy. Here's my background. I'm graduating with this, that, and the other, et cetera. Um, and this person got back to me, basically said, you know, let me get you an interview. She got me the interview. Uh, and then they were kind of, I didn't hear back for a bit, so I just figured I didn't get it. They also told me they didn't have internships uh, in the, sp- the spring college semester. So I was like, so I was like, okay, I figured it was, it was a no-go. I ended up accepting an internship elsewhere at an agency I'd already gone at. A week or like a week after I accepted, they offered me an internship, which was really really cool because they made wow. an opening for me there yeah. during that time, which was unfortunate. I had to decline, but I did say like, but let's stay in touch as I graduate and maybe you know talk about full time opportunities, oh, and that's cool. what we did. And Smart. then I ended up getting the job. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think I always just like found like branding and you know promotional stuff i always found that stuff fascinating yeah you know i mean i'm also like partial i think like what everyone does is really cool like i'm the type of person who like and you know you know people like talk to talk to plumbers and like consider that just like some blue collar trade job or whatever but like the way i look at like one of my really close friends who's a plumber who like i don't i don't think likes his job or whatever he actually just texted us this morning saying he's moving which is ironic um or more of a coincidence, I guess. But either way, um, like, I look at that as, like, 
Dude, when you like pull up to a place, like people can't use the bathroom. And then when you leave the place, they can. Like that is awesome. Yeah. Like we all have a role to play in the world. And totally. like, you know, what I like to think what I do is just like, we're all gonna like see advertisements. We're all gonna be like promoted stuff. Like I like to think what we do is like we make it cool. Like we make it so you're not like bored out of your mind while you're getting that promotional material. Yeah, you you're know? not like, oh, get this away from me. Exactly. It makes yeah. it, you know, more to like, look, if you're going to have to deal with it anyway, it might as well be enjoyable. And right. I like to think that that's what we do, you know? Cool. Yeah. That's a cool approach for sure. So are you doing like, um, like images and stuff or is it video? No. So I, I, I don't really do any of like the, the graphics stuff. Like we, okay. yeah, we have like a, a, a graphics and, you know, editing department. I do more like earned, uh, editorial media so essentially like what I just do is like I one of like the main pillars of my job is to like get media to talk about our clients um you know whether that be like a magazine okay. or an online publication or cheddar like a broadcast you so know, you're reaching station. out to publications and whatnot and saying like hey we got this dude you want to feature him or something yeah so I actually usually don't do much talent PR I mean like I have like pitched like exactly like company executives to outlets and been like hey would you want to interview this person and you know we've secured a bunch that way but like i also have done like i i repped a company that made grills so we would like reach out to like a, a food outlet and say hey would you want to review this grill you know or yeah. include this in a, a roundup of grills stuff like that sweet how do we get flat face on there that's a great question i've always, <laughs> I've always considered that I've always, I, we could get really cool pr stuff on that that yeah. could be fun I mean, I try to actually keep flat face pretty low key, but yeah. if there's the right opportunity, I go for it. So yeah, we can I know, think about it. I mean, like I look at like those pla those placements you get like Wired and you know it. I mean, you know, not placements, just like the uh, that's just yeah, like Red Bull, Wired, like yeah, Anthony Padilla. The f the few people that reach out to me that I accept are like the right ones. Totally, and uh, to me, a great big story back back yeah. when. Yeah, it's another one. And I, so I was just like uh, from from a PR perspective, I look at that and I'm like, oh my God, like, that's so cool. Like, those are like, those are sick placements. Like, yeah. you know. But they reach out to me. I don't even like, yeah. I've never asked like, hey, can I be on your show or something? Which, and that's how I always think of it. I'm like, I've always said that. I was like, he's like just fielding inbounds. Like, he's not even actively pitching. Like, <laughs> he probably gets like some cool stuff. But like, you know, like you said, it would probably have to be the right opportunity because I, yeah. I recognize that you want to stay fairly low key. Yeah. You know. But yeah, I wouldn't be opposed to asking someone, but I've never really had the need to or seen like the one where it's like, I gotta ask them. But yeah, who knows? Maybe we'll we'll come up with something good now that the idea is out there. You yeah. Know? Oh. It's in our heads. And people listening, maybe somebody will have a suggestion or who knows. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, that's cool. So <laughs> yeah, how's your job? Um, how does it fit into your lifestyle and everything? Is it like a good balance? You like it? <laughs> so... <Or> <laughs> <laughs> Realistically, yes, I I love my job actually. So to answer that part of the question, I do love my job. That's I cool. love what I do. I'm so fortunate too that I really love like everyone I work with. Everyone That's I work with. That's the most important part. Yeah, it really is so cool. Like I mean, so like when I so I've been working there just over two years now, and like so ever since then I've been more cognizant about like I, I mean I really try not to be the type of person who's like always talking about work but unfortunately that's just like the bulk of what I do and I'm biased because I like it so like yeah you know that is what I tend to talk about probably too much but or or I just try not to talk at all so I don't end up talking about it um so I try to hedge that but you know when I would talk with talk work with people or people would just talk work with themselves 
and they would always talk about, oh, you know, George from accounting, I can't stand that dude, or oh my God, you know, Katie from marketing, she's so ridiculous and all this stuff. And I'm always just like, oh, I don't have those shared experiences. You know, I, I mean, yeah. like, look, look, and as I've been there longer and longer, like there are people I recognize who I don't work as well with, mm -hmm. um, or, or, you know, who I maybe recognize, like we're probably like not compatible as friends outside of work, or we wouldn't be, but like, that's fine. You know what I mean? Right. And even those people are like, you and far between and, yeah. and even then like and they're not that bad right they're not that bad exactly we yeah. get along like we're totally cool um and so many of them too are like really like our friends of mine like we talk outside of work like we like we get along really well and it's great so you know uh, there's the one who i've told you about who you are like the male the male version of her and like so crazy it, it's so crazy and the funny part is when you showed me and i'm just like i don't see it and then the funnier part is when i showed her you and she got mad at me because she's like this is not me he has a beard um <laughs> the which, beard. Is, which is fair yeah. but um you know i was working with her for like a year until i realized oh that's who you remind me of your your mic now i get it um <laughs> But yeah, and as, as for like balance and stuff, it's definitely not good. Like I definitely work way too much. I've gotten, I actually just got a bit of a reprimand earlier this week for like working a little like too late. I, th I sent someone an email like in the uh -huh. middle of the night and I got in trouble for that. Um, Whoa. But like. Yeah, I mean, it, it is good to be able to like shut it off and be like, all right, you know, no more till the morning. Like even yeah. though you could do it in the middle of the night, it's like you got to get some space from it. So I think for me, no, I, I don't think, this is what I know, like my main approach coming into this was, okay, I am going to work like a dog to start out here. I'm going to show everyone I'm here to work. I'm not shying away from anything. Like mm -hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm really here to work. I'm about it, you know? And, and granted, another part of it was, too was me knowing like, I'm not going to be perfect. I'm going to make plenty of mistakes. Like, I don't really have experience here. <laughs> I have like some tangentially related experience in marketing, but not in PR in particular. It was funny, the woman who hired me, the, one of our executive vice presidents at the time, the way she described it to our colleagues was, he, ha he reached out to me, he had no experience, and we knew we had to hire him. <laughs> so, you know, there was a you know, recognition that I didn't really have that experience. So I knew like I'd make mistakes, and I wanted to be like, if I do make a mistake, like I'm not gonna be precious about Oh, well, but it, it's, you know, but it's six o'clock right now, so I'll get to it tomorrow. It's like, no, if I made the mistake, I will make, I will rectify it if, you know, within reason, if I'm able to. Yeah. Um, you have good work ethic. I try to, you know. And um, so I did that. My approach was like, let me do that for a year. And <clears throat> hopefully by then everyone will know what I'm about and that I won't shy away from stuff. Um, and look, you know, that doesn't work for everyone. I also like to think I'm very um, respectful of people who don't take that approach. I have a lot of colleagues on the West Coast and like I remember I would like send them messages at like 11.50 a.m. Eastern which is like we, we generally start our day at 9 so that's like 10 minutes before they're technically supposed to be on but they're usually on before it you know or whatever so I'd send them something like 10 minutes before and just be like hey super don't check till you're logged on but just want to flag this now because like I, you know I just came across it and they'll be like we log on in ten minutes. It's fine. Like, or, you know, I've been on, I've been on for an hour. Like, don't worry about it. You know. Yeah. I mean, the nature of PR is generally more of an always on type of thing. Um, but uh, so I try to be respectful of people like that. Um, but yeah, like the 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 balance, like probably not ideal. But then also, like 
you know, so I kind of took, not like I took my foot off the gas, but I was just kind of like eventually after a year or so, I realized like, all right, people know, like, you know, they know what I'm about and it's all good. But like I said, I also, for the most part, like what I do. So there's that. It's not, you know, the worst yeah. thing. When you really like what you do, it's actually hard not to do it. Yeah. So if they're like, oh, go home for the day and you're like, wait, I don't want to go yet. Or like, yeah, I don't want to shut it off. I got like. And, and, and don't get me wrong. Like. I do like my job a lot. I'd rather be playing video games, though, or, or whatever it is I do. Not like I even play video games, but, you know, I'd rather be doing something else, like scrolling through Instagram or fingerboarding or whatever, playing guitar. Yeah. Um, but, you know, as far as the job goes, I do like it. And, and you know, another part of it before, it's like being hard to shut off of like, all right, if I don't do this now, I'm going to have to do it tomorrow. Um, right. So just wanting to get it out of the way. And But I don't know, there's approach there. And then uh, earlier this year, I got put on a project that took a lot out of me that was like i mean that that project like just became a behemoth that took on a life of its own like we don't have to hash it out too much but basically it was like i was getting like very little sleep it was like i'd work and log off take a nap wake up work again eat dinner go to sleep and then like kind of do that again that went on for like about a month or two i ended up like losing weight i was like it was like a really it was like that was really bad and that like completely like re jiggered my approach to life like I'm, like, just now, like, getting back to normal of, like, oh, wait, like, this is what life is supposed to be like again. Yeah. Like, I was, like, sleeping on my couch during that time because, like, <laughs> I was, like, getting to sleep. I wanted to make sure, like, I wasn't sleeping in a really comfy bed that I would just, that I wouldn't, like, oversleep or anything. Oh, man. So that was really bad. That went on for probably a, about a month, give or take, you know, a month and some change, then a half yeah, or whatever. you got to be careful of stuff like that, not to overdo <laughs> it, and then... If you if you do overdo it, you have to like refine that balance of like how it's supposed to be, so you don't get stuck in those patterns of like overworking or sacrificing an aspect of your life for another aspect of your life, whether it's work or sleep or anything else. Yeah, and you know, look, as a new worker, I like that is a balance I'm finding. And actually, recently, like as of fairly recent, the past couple months or so, like I think I've really found that um, because I think I have some legs to stand on now to be like, hey, look. You guys know that I really am down to work for the most part, but, you know, I can't just say yes to everything. And I yeah. had a colleague recently sit me down basically be like, you can't be working as much as you are. Like, it's getting, for your own sake, it's just getting out of hand. You're and, lucky that you have people around you that say that because some people yeah. will be like, oh, yeah, he's down. And, exactly. like, they'll never think further than that. They won't know that it's, like, impacting you. Yeah, exactly. And they'll keep asking you to do more and more and more. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm. I'm very like I said. I'm very fortunate the people I work with. Yeah. And and that exchange, and those several exchanges I had, like that, just kind of gave me the confidence I needed to be like, okay, they know that, they know that I'm down to work. Like they know they know that when I say no to stuff now, that it's not just me being lazy or me just like yeah. not doing work fast. Like they know that I'm saying no for a reason. Mm -hmm. And then lately, I've, I've been a lot better with that. Like I actually work within my work hours. I I, I haven't really been. You know, I'm off, I'm off today. I haven't really been doing anything like on my phone or whatever, like checking emails or whatever. Um, so, you know, it's good. Like people always say like, you know, that like, you know, about the balance thing. It's like, oh yeah, the balance is off or whatever. But like, I, I can't totally blame my company for that. If I'm not, if I'm not the one saying no, you know right. what I mean? Yeah. Um, so, you know, yeah. I also try not to be the person who's always like, you know, oh, I'm just so, so busy all the time and busy, busy with business and all this <laughs> stuff, you know, I feel like that kind of, get to me but I mean you know like we also like you know there are busy seasons too I mean there are yeah, there's flows. certain times when you have to work super hard and there's certain times when you gotta chill back out like that project that I was on a few months ago like I said I do sports PR or a lot yeah. of my clients are sports PR or some of them it was during the Super Bowl 
You know what I mean? Do you think they're yeah, accountants? Yeah, that's not all year. Exactly. Yeah. And like, you know, for, if you're an accountant, you're going to be working seven days a week in April, you know what I mean, during tax season. Like, that's just, that's just how it is, but that's not how it is all year. So, yeah. you know. Exactly. But yeah. even when those things come up, you got to figure out how you can, like, not get overwhelmed by it. Exactly, yeah. And, yeah. you know, it's, it's, a, it's a learning process. I'm happy to be going through it. And, you know, I'm confident that I'll, I'll find the right balance eventually. Yeah. Yeah. It's awesome. Well, I got to say, like, your overall approach to all that stuff is really solid. You know, like, the way that you view it, um, between the hard work and the, like, realistic view of it and, like, I don't know, kind of, like, proving that you're worth it, that you're capable, and then also being, like, you know, I have the strength to say no when it's too much stuff to do and, like, you know, not be a pushover, but also, you know, putting in good work for those that you work for and then also knowing what the boundaries are. Yeah. You know, and finding those boundaries at least. Yeah, totally. That's awesome. Super good. I think we're pretty much done talking about work. We got some cool stuff out in there. And now we get to go deep into the psychology, perhaps psychiatry of Henry. Perhaps psychosis. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I might have That's to it. diagnose you with some things, prescribe you a few things. Happily. Yeah. Let's so, do it. Not really, but <laughs> uh, let's say, what's your biggest mistake in life? It's a stake in life. Um, I would say I probably have like several fairly big regrets. Um, let's go into each one of them. <laughs> well, nah. or you can just pick pick one or two. Um, yeah. So one would be, and it's funny because like I because I, I've like I've I've put thought into this in the past of like. I know, it's annoying like, when people are always like, oh, yeah, man, I have no regrets. And it's like, damn, man, you want some of mine? Like, bro, like, I have, you know, I have plenty to go around. And, I like, I obviously get the sentiment is, like, just to not harp on them, you know, you know, yeah. stew on them so they ruin your life. But, like, you know, I think it's totally valid to, like, look at, like, recognize mistakes you've made and, like, and regrets you have and just kind of use that as, like, you know, a learning point going forward. But anyway, um... So one was probably being, I, and there's like a, one thing I'll, I'll preface this with saying is like, all those like big regrets in my, in my head are actually like grand scheme of things, like really not big ones at all, which I'm so blessed about. Like there's nothing, I don't think that was like really super, super pivotal that would have really like changed my life or like, you know that anyone's like safety or health or well-being was like on the line because of it so like i'm so fortunate about that like so i'm going into this knowing that these are really not anything world-changing by any means um one was probably when i was like in like early high school i dated someone who like and we only dated for like a, a month or two or something and i, I broke up with her and it, you know I, I forget even why i did but I feel like I probably shouldn't have done that. That was early high school. Like, I'm not saying, like, we wouldn't, it's not like we'd be together today or whatever or anything like that. But, like, I don't know. I think it was just, like, rude and weird of me to just, like, end it for whatever reason I did. You know, I'm sure at the time I had whatever reason I did. But I feel like if we were to keep that going for however much longer that we did, like, I don't know. I, I feel like we would have both learned, like, more about, not to put words in her mouth, obviously, but, like, I feel like we would have both, like, learned more about ourselves and, like, I don't know, it probably would have just put me on, like, a more in-touch trajectory for the rest of my 
high school life at the very least, which obviously was some pretty formative years. Um, so that was one, and I just remember like, after doing that, like I just regretted it really deeply for a long time, and then we actually ended up talking again, which ended up falling through, and that was like a very painful time in my life. Um, that you know you you get through however you do, um, but I, so I don't know. I, I like now that I'm like further and further removed from it. Like I don't know how much it would really have changed things, but like if for no other reason to like have spared me from like hurt down the line. For, like I said, like I think most of the regret just stems from like not even knowing why I did that or you know. Um, so that's probably one of them. The other one, this one's like a little more like specific and weird is. I like the way it works in Jersey is you can get your license at 17 if you like have X amount of driving hours with like a, a licensed whatever, uh, like a licensed person. Um, or you can wait till you're 17 and a half and you can just get your license. You have to pass the road test and stuff, but you know yeah. what I mean. Um, oh, excuse me. And I took the latter approach where like I didn't do the driving school and everything. And it, you know, it was only six months. Realistically, it was all just a blip in the matrix. But I just remember there were like so many big things in my life at that point where I was like, it would been it would have been so nice to like be driving for it. Granted, like I had a brother who I was best friends with who I still do, but like you know at the time like and you know he was driving, so I, I could get rides from him. Almost all my friends drove because I was a year ahead in school, so all my friends were older than me. Um, so there was you know that. Um, but I don't know, I just, like, you know, you could ask me what those specific things were and I wouldn't even be able to tell you, but I just remember it, like, at that time being like, oh, wow, those are, like, really, like, this is such a regret, I totally should have done that. Um, so those are, like, two big ones that I just remember, like, throwing in a list in my head of, like, these are some of my biggest regrets because, like, they were, like, so they both so easily could have, I, I guess that's part of it, too, is, like, they both so could have easily been achieved. Yeah. Um, you know, that that's, like, why they might stick in my craw the way they do, so to speak. That's mm. interesting. Yeah. Like, I have a lot of thoughts about both of them. Like, for example, I didn't start driving till I was, like, 18 or something, even though I could have mm -hmm. at, like, 16 here. Because, um, like, I felt like I just wasn't ready. Like, I was just like, there's no way a kid like me could be driving a car. Like, it doesn't even sound safe. Like, yeah. Like, I really recognized I was, like, not quite feeling up to it like it just sounded like too much so I just waited and then eventually I felt comfortable with doing it and then once I got my license I was like 18 something and then I could start I could just drive like by myself I could just drive somewhere and it was like so new and different and I was like I can't believe I didn't do this earlier like this is amazing I don't have to call Isaac and ask him to drive me somewhere <laughs> like I can just drive anywhere this is amazing and then I was like well you know there was a reason I didn't do it before. And, yeah. you know, if I felt like I wasn't safe to drive yet, I probably would have crashed. Like, because I wasn't even ready to be confident because I started it when I, like, you know, nothing happened where I was like, okay, now I'm ready. But it was just like, I just felt ready, you know, as I matured a little bit more or whatever. So it's like, you got to go at your own pace for these types of things because you never know exactly why it is you did or didn't do a thing. But in the end, it's like, you got exactly right here where you are because of every choice you made, including the ones you think are mistakes or regrets, which is kind of why people say, like, I have no regrets, because it's like, well, if I were to change that, I wouldn't be right here. So as long as right here is a good place, it's like, it's not quite a regret. Like, 
and I see your point too, where it is just like, no, but it is a regret. You know, it's something you think about. It could have been different and this and that, but I would challenge you to view it as like, that's how it had to happen. Yeah, totally. I, you know, like, like I say, you know, it's, it's a balance of like recognizing like, uh, I should have done it this way and also realizing like, okay, but I didn't. And now yeah. next time I will. Exactly. Um, and you can't let either of those torment you. Yeah, I there was one time when I didn't go to an event in Germany that like I was gonna go to. I was like pretty set on going, and then I just like canceled the whole trip and didn't go to Germany. And you can imagine I was bummed about it. And on the day of the event, and the videos were coming out, and it was just like so painful, you know. And now I look back on it, I'm like I'm happy I didn't go. Like I wasn't supposed to be there, you mm -hmm. know. It's like I forget what happened when I was home during that, but something good happened also like around here and I to totally would have missed that and it's like these little things where it's like in the moment it feels huge it's like oh I'm not there like all my friends are there everyone's having fun it would be great to go which it would be those are all real you know I'm not saying that's like that sucked for the weekend but it led to everything like who knows maybe this podcast wouldn't be happening because like my whole entire thought trajectory would be moved over a little because of different experiences I had for those three days and like I don't know it just, like, you got to get to the point where you realize, like, everything kind of happens for a reason, even if just the reason is that it leads to the next thing, you know? Even if you don't think there's, like, a higher reason, that doesn't matter. It's just, like, the reason something happens is because it's what needed to happen for, like, like the girl that you broke up with. You had some kind of a gut feeling or some, some yeah. influence somewhere that maybe you can't pinpoint that made you do that. And... Maybe you take something from that into your next relationship or into like a relationship that's meant to work and you learn something that you'll apply it to there where it's like, I don't know, maybe if you would have stayed with her and it wasn't right and you tried to force it, something more painful could have happened down the line that you can't foresee now or back then, but you don't know. And it's just like another thing where it's like it happened the best way it could have happened, even though it sucked. Yeah, totally. You know? And, you know, obviously the further removed you get from any mistake you made unless it's like a really really horrible one and like i said both of which mine are not yeah. um you know the further removed you get the easier it is to like come to terms and you know recognize like you said but where i'm at it's okay and you know wouldn't have been this way otherwise yeah so, totally yeah. I'm, like, trying to I'm trying to think of like other big mistakes about sorry you're gonna say something nothing substantial i was just gonna say you could have like i don't know if you had followed either of those other paths differently like who knows, maybe you would have, like, got out of fingerboarding or something, like, or, like, ended up as a whole different career. Like, little things can change big things down the line because it's, like, where you go in one day and what you're exposed to and where that brings you next is, like, it can change the whole thing. You could have discovered, like, oh, I like this weird thing I never heard of. Like, and instead it's, like, no, you're not doing that because you didn't come across it. Totally, yeah. I mean, it's funny when you think of, like, things that you're, like, into or whatever things you like even small things and you're just like oh how did i even like this again oh because you know i i saw it here I, yeah I like oh i was at this i was at the beach that day and somebody mentioned it like you know yeah. something so random where it could have been like you didn't go to the beach that day and yeah. you wouldn't have got that I, I will say probably another regret somewhere on this list is like just like not making more time for honestly for like fingerboard friends and trips because when I was in college, um, granted, two years, I, I lost mostly to COVID, like, just, and mostly just kind of, like, you know, 
kicking out with my family and stuff. But like the first and the first year I was I was dorm I was dorming and I was in a relationship. So like most weekends I like spent with her and then eventually we broke up and then I spent those weekends like with my friends on campus. Um, but after that, and this is when I started driving more and more, like sophomore year, which was 2018 and 2019, like every weekend, if not every other weekend, I was like going to see my friends, visiting them at schools. Like I was doing something. Um, I spent like, there was one friend in particular. I spent so much time at his college. Like, and we just like, you know, just like to have fun and do fun stuff. And then like, and I, I wish I squeezed probably a little more time there into like trips out here or like, you know, um, you know, to, to go see like Ryan or whoever, or even like Kevin H who we always talk about, who's like, who was really close to me. And like him and I really didn't hang out in person all too much. And it's like, there was probably no reason for that, you know, except for the reason being like, you know, as you, if you hang out with people more and more, like that's just who your mind goes to. So, you know, uh, once again, that's like one of those regrets where it's like, there's like kind of a reason for it. And, you know, once again, not world changing by any means or, or, you know, however you want to look at it. But, um, yeah, that's probably something I wish I did a little bit more of. And I, I, I'm trying to do more of it now, especially as I like fall into a better work-life balance of like, you know, having my free time and like using it to do stuff like that. Yeah. That's a good one that you can just do now. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Which, you know, like, you know, here and trying try to do way more of it, you know, trying to stay in greater touch with them. Yeah. I mean, that's another thing too. It's like silly to have a regret that like you aren't actively trying to fix, you know what I mean? Like that it right. kind of makes yeah. no sense. That's a good point too. I mean, there's other fingerboard events around and stuff like exactly, and, I, not, and you can I, go to like Jacob's event and stuff. Who's, who's that? I don't know. Jacob's uh, events. His events in like a couple of weeks. In it's like somewhere around in Mass, but it's like kind of far from here, but but it's doable. So I mean, that's another part of it too is just like because I'm fairly out of the sea and I don't see a lot of those, but like I know yeah. there's one in Jersey coming. Like anytime there's an event in Jersey, cool. for years I've, I'm there. You know what I yeah. mean? Like me and Kevin went to one of those. Like so, I definitely try to do stuff like that. Um, I know there's one in Jersey in like next month or in two months or something like that. I'm going to that one for sure. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it, I mean, like I wouldn't be able to stand listening to someone who's like, I know, man. Oh, I wish I made all these times with my friends or whatever. And they're like, word, there's a there's an event in three weeks. Like, you want to pull up? And they're like, oh, well, no, I don't really feel it. It's like, all right, then what are you even saying? It's clearly not. That it's much like that's why right. you're not going. Yeah. yeah. Um, but anyway, that that ladders back to just my disdain for complainers and whatnot. But that's you know a whole different thing. Um, but yeah, those are probably my main mistakes. Yeah. What do you got against complainers? They complain all the time. Their energy <laughs> that sounds like a complaint, light. Henry. I'm complaining about those who complain. You're right. Hmm. It's a horseshoe theory. Now, um... Oh, yeah, dude, that's a cool one. You told me that before we were recording. Yeah. Tell them about the horseshoes. The horseshoe theory, theory is a theory, which I think is, like, largely a political one, but it applies elsewhere, where the more... You know, the idea is that there might be two extremes, but the further apart they become, the closer they actually are, like, with at least, like, with, like, more macro uh, overarching thoughts that they share. Yeah. So, you know, there, there are complainers and there are people who hate complainers, but the thing is, eventually, if you have to talk about it, then you just, you know... <laughs> then you're complaining, Then you're complaining, you're which is always... It's always, like, the... the the, the one the, the the hard part to navigate but uh but yeah yeah that's funny but yeah it's a it's a really cool thing to think about like 
socially, politically, whatever it is that you're surrounded by. If you look at that horseshoe and you're just like, yeah. everybody needs to chill. You know, most things need to go kind of more towards that middle. top. Because if you're down there and you're extreme this, you're extreme that, you're almost the same. You might think you're opposites. You might feel like you're opposites, but to somebody else on the outside, they just see you as like both ridiculous. Yeah, and you I know? mean, you become you become the problem you're you think you're fighting, which is right. You know, yeah, silly. You know the uh, I think it's maybe Buddhist, the thing where they have like the chain hanging, and they're like, if you push something away too much, it's like pushing the chain away, and then you like it, it, it hits you in the face after instead uh-huh. of just staying in the middle in the first place. Interesting. It's no, a really that. cool analogy to like the more you fight something, the more it's you're gonna engage with it versus if you just let it be somewhat, it's just gonna stay there and it's not gonna be in your face hitting you. I like that. And then same if you bring something too close to you, it's gonna go away from you. Mm-hmm. So it's like like a, if you're trying to force a relationship, let's say, and you're like, oh, I love you so much, so much, please don't go. And then like, I'm out, you know, because yeah. it's like you're pulling them so hard when they, there's a little resistance and that's pulling that chain towards you and it's just going to go away. So it's like just be chill about things and let it naturally work out. And if it does, then it stays right there where it needs to be. Yeah. There's a, another old adage I like of a similar ilk where it's like, those who mind don't matter, those who matter don't mind that type of thing you know? yeah if you're if you care so much it's it's you know annoying and people it's not an energy people tend to like being around and those who you know are of influence or are of you know good company just as, when it, that's actually who they are it's just how they are and you know that's, yeah. that's all there is to it yeah relaxing yeah. it's all it is practically relaxing just like, vibing yeah <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah um What's your biggest weakness? My biggest weakness? Good question. Um, I will say, I'll think of an answer. I'm not, I'm not thinking of an answer, not because I'm like, oh, wow, I have no weaknesses. Damn. Um, I just can't think of one off the hand, but I will. But one time I got, off, I got asked this question during a, an interview for an internship when I was in college, and I really like, I didn't have a question and answer prepared. And... Um, so I like gave some sort of like BS answer or whatever, and I was like, and they were like, oh okay, but uh, now like you know give a real answer or whatever, and I was like, oh, so I couldn't think of anything, so I said, if you want, I could give you my mom's number. I'm sure she could tell you plenty. <laughs> um, and they did laughed. you get the job? I did not get the I did not get the job, but I got to the next round of interviews. Okay. So that at least <laughs> didn't com- completely disqualify me. Anyway, greatest weakness. Um, honestly, it would probably just be like the person like it's more internal look i'm sure you could talk to plenty of people and ask what my weaknesses are and they'd they'd give you them um but like for me personally it's probably like me grappling it's not so much a grapple i'm honestly i'm trying to let it be pretty fluid i'm just like figuring out exactly who i want to be you know who i want to be and when and all that stuff and like finding that balance of like not not being complacent but also like you know, not being, not trying to force everything into, into a place where it shouldn't be. Yeah. That's probably my biggest weakness, you know, I'm not sure, and I guess, you know, the years will tell how much that is hampering me at the moment, or perhaps it's not, but I feel like, and maybe that weakness is even the wrong word, but just like, um... Do you find that you're struggling with that? Like, do you have concrete examples 
uh, to illustrate it? Not that's the thing. Not not really. I guess um, I've always been someone who's like big on, you know. Generally, don't you know? Well, actually, I want, I want to word this properly because I, I I try not to be the person who's like, yeah, don't care what anyone ever has to say about you. Like doing your own thing. Like, of course, yes, to a degree, but also like. We do live in a world where like people perceive you and those perceptions lead to whatever things that may be. Yeah. You know, like I, we were talking about like showering the other day. It's like, you know, you know, it shouldn't always be a world of, and I know this is not what you believe, but like it shouldn't be a world of like, yeah, if you don't want to shower, just don't shower, man. Let it be. It's like, no, there's also like people are going to have to walk by you and smell you. And if you have a job interview, if you go on a date and you just reek, like these are not good things. If you really don't care, you really don't care fine but um but it has implications but it has implications and and sometimes real ones you know so um yeah like do i have any super concrete examples of that i don't think so i think it's just more of like an ongoing thing of like um yeah just like an ongoing i, I don't even like using the word struggle because like i don't i don't know if i would call it that i think it's just a part of life a, and growing a mild up thing yeah kind of just like Trying to imagine if your place within everything is the right one or needs adjustment. Yeah. Perhaps. And I, I think too, and not to deviate too off track, but I just think this is interesting. Uh, a buddy of mine in the Marines, I remember one time he was telling me, and you know, my brother's in the military too, a lot of my friends are, so like I hear this all refrain a lot, and everyone says that they go, compl you know, complacency kills. And ironically, this friend, he goes, complicity kills. And I was like, complacency actually is the word. And he was like, oh, yeah, I forgot. Anyway, they all say complacency kills, which there's certainly truth to. Especially when you are, you know, literally in a combat, um, <laughs> the, industry, the industry of combat, and that's your job. And, you know, if you just fall into a rote routine of, like, this is what I do, and you're, you know, you're not vigilant or whatever, like, that can actually have very deadly implications, yes. But what I've oh, yeah. noticed, like... In, in like the regular world lately, is for a lot of people. It, really, it's ambition that kills. And what I mean by that is like it doesn't mean not to be ambitious. It just means what I see so much of in like people I like love and care about or whatever is people who put such an onus on themselves to do the best, be amazing, be awesome, and be a, a person that they may not be wired to be, or they may not just not just be that yet because they're young or they're just whatever whatever the circumstance is and then when they are not what they are trying to be they're miserable and you know yeah do you think it comes from comparing to like an unrealistic standard or to a different person or you know something that they're not yeah i mean i oh, like you know not to just be like not to just rehash like a boring conversation about social media but like that's obviously a huge part of it um you know just seeing what other people are accomplishing and you're not or you know seeing the one thing that they're sharing that you know yeah, and, and you don't know what they had to do to get there and how exactly how tough it may have been or how happy or sad they really are you don't know you just exactly, see the highlight yeah. yeah or you know or whatever benefits that they had to work with that maybe you don't have or whatever which you know not necessarily an excuse but just you know an, an information as to why yeah. and i don't know i just i see that a lot and i think that's like making a lot of people really ups, upset and i can look i can see why um you know so, yeah, and can complacency kill? It can in the way is if you're just too content with where you are and you can be doing so much better, it realistically it probably won't kill you, but, it, you know, it, you can end up chewing a lot of time away that you obviously don't get back. 
Um, but I think really more often, I mean, I guess what my mind goes to also is like really successful business people like who work in finance or whatever and they make boatloads of money, they work and they're super busy with business and all that stuff. And, you know, they they like reach the model of success or whatever and then they end up like killing themselves or something because they're just so miserable and they can't, you know, yeah. that that ambition literally killed them. They were working towards their own goal, perhaps. Yeah. Maybe money wasn't what they needed. Exactly, but they think it is. Or, or Everyone thinks money is what they need because you do need money to some extent, no yeah. matter who you are. So then you could say, okay, well, then I need more. You know, yeah. like more will help or whatever. And then and, and then a if, slippery And slope. then if you don't have that, you're a failure and, you yeah. know, you're not good enough to, to live or to do whatever. So I don't know. I think that's bad. And I, I obviously think that's bad. And then I, I just see... Yeah, how many people like, how how many people, how many friends of mine like struggle with stuff like that, and they, you know, and and so like, then what I grapple with is just like, okay, like there's obviously like certain like traits I want to like, you know, have eventually, and there's like things I want to aspire to, but like I'm not gonna, but I I don't want to just like force it and you know make it turn into something that it, it shouldn't be because yeah. I, I guess a lot of things I see too is like the people who are like attempting this or attempting certain things is like they force it in such a way where like to me it comes off as like unnatural or awkward or like right or or you know just like why is this even something that you want to like do yeah um yeah what are some of those things you see in the future for yourself to aspire to um so honestly and this is like the funny thing too with me about like before we're talking about like hard workingness or whatever yeah honestly like i'm really like I, i definitely would consider myself to be a a, a very hard worker and like and I'm happy to work hard and all that mm-hmm. but um honestly I, I'm really not most of my ambitions I don't I definitely have like some very macro like general career ambitions and whatnot um but for the most part most of my like real uh my real tangible ambitions are mostly like familial like you know having like a really happy family like a child or plural whatever that I can like spend time with and be present with and you know who i can like offer a a a good picture of like what a loving mother father relationship looks like and you know a strong family unit what cousins look like and that whole thing Mm -hmm. um that that's probably the stuff that i see the most of i mean i've never been like i said before i'm not someone who spends a lot of money i'm not someone who cares about like the car i have like um yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, you know, like I do. I I'd like a a nice house to some degree, but I'd also like to be in a a position where, if anything ever goes wrong with my family, that it won't be, you know, it won't be a horrible issue. Like that, it, it will be able to be managed, or right. at least the best we can. Yeah, that's cool because I think a lot of times people are thinking like, work is everything or something, and. Like, you know, what you just demonstrated is, like, you know, the thing that really matters to you is not, like, just work, work, work. It's, like, family. Like, the goal is to have a family and to have kids and be happy. And, like, I mean, happy is, like, you know, a funny goal. You don't want to, it's not just happiness. But, yeah. you know what I mean? Just a comfortable family that's mostly good, functional, whatever. And it's, like, to have that as your goal, I feel like whatever you're doing, you can think of, like, does this bring me closer or farther from that? And it's so obvious. Anything you think of, it should be obvious if it's, like, a good thing for that goal versus not. And then you can kind of check, like, am I going in the general right direction, you know? 
So it's like, if you're working too hard at work, and then you imagine you having a kid, it's like, what? how would this affect my kid? It wouldn't be good. I have to figure out how to not overdo myself at work so I could have time for the kid and family and wife and everything that goes along with having a house and all those yeah. things. So it's like figuring out those balances now while you're young and before you have those things yeah. means that once you get to those things, you've been already mindful of it coming up to it. Like that's kind of how I feel I am right now, like getting ready for that stage where it's like, you know, if I had a kid right now, how would it be? And like, you know, what would I still have to adjust in order to make it the best that it could be? And yeah, so I, I feel like you're on the way to that too, like for sure, just being mindful of it. Cause a lot of people straight up are not mindful of that at all. And they have a kid, like you can have a kid at any age you want. You don't have to wait till you're older, but it's like, if you do it when you're younger, how long are you preparing for it beforehand and what things are important to you? And you know, they'll work differently. You know, there's advantages to being young and having a kid. You have way more energy. You can handle a lot of things really well. And like, or if you wait till you're older and you have a little bit more experience with different things and either way works totally, but it's like wherever you are right now, it's like you have your eye on the prize, but you're not forcing it. You're not rushing it. Yeah. And, and it's, that's like, that's like the biggest thing. And that's the thing. I feel like the way I talked about it is this, as if this is like some sort of like ongoing like always on my mind type of thing which it really isn't mm -hmm. but it is just something like it, you know i guess when i really notice it is what's just like when i'm particularly uh cognizant of it is just when i do observe it in other people and then i just kind of go through in my head of like am i doing this the right way i think i am and my whole thing is like look the approach i've been taking is like look i'm confident that it is going to work out how i want and i'm patient and i'm willing to play the long game mm -hmm. um and that's fine with me um, but you know, sometimes as with everything, when you're on a long-term goal, sometimes there are just things that you try to steer you off track and you just kind of have to look into it really quick and be like, is that the right direction? Probably not. And then you, you know, keep pushing. Yeah. But either way, like even the whole familial thing, wife and kids, big to it. But I also, I mean, that really just extends to my, even the family I currently have now. I mean, you know, I want to make sure. I just want to make sure I'm, you know, that I'm able to like offer up that love and be a loving family member, as I think I should. Even lately, I've I've been the past few months. I've really put in probably more than that actually. The past year or so, I put in a resolve to like really just see my family a lot more. And now weekends, I cool. I really make the time to go see certain family members that I, you know, not like I haven't seen them a lot. That I I have, but like just really trying to be more intentional with it. The way I look at it, yeah, is that there's like two ways to look at it. There's your family's only here once, and when they're gone, they're gone, and you, you know, that's it. Yeah. So, you know, you should spend the time with them now while you can. <clears throat> the other school of thought I see is you're only young once, so you should do the things that you can only do when you're young now, because then once you're older and you can't do them anymore, you don't get that time back. Yeah, you can put both of those together. You can. I, I don't even think those are separate, or they have to be separate. To me, I'm like, it's both. You know, why not, why not do both? Well, you can do both, but with everything as, as you do one, we, you know, we all have a finite amount yeah. of time to yeah, work with. Yeah, it pulls towards one or the other kind of, for yeah. sure. And it's important to strike that balance. Yeah. Um, as I told you, that's like my go-to word. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, I mean, you know, that's why I like the thing I'm pretty much doing now, you know, last week I saw my aunt and uncle, so to speak this week I'm here, you know, Yeah. Uh, or weekend, but you know what I mean? 
Yep. Um, so, you know, I think those are like the, it, it, it's also a matter for me, like I said, is like, that is like a very specific focus of mine right now. <clears throat> so like, I want it to be the, the main thing I'm doing. Like, I want it to be what I'm doing more of than that. Like that, like right now, that's not something I want to split time with. Like, I really want to be all in on being a good family member right now. And not saying that if you do that, you're a bad family member. That's obviously not what I'm yeah. saying. Um, but that's just what I, that's just been my approach now. And look, you know, in cool. a year, and I can always change it. If three months from now I say like, never mind, this isn't working. I want to go to bars and stuff and have fun. <laughs> then I can do that. You know right. what I mean? Um, yeah, you don't have to like commit to something and then stick with it just because you said you did it in order to not feel like you made a wrong choice or like you can change it day by day. You know, today I want to see my friends, tomorrow I want to see my family. Like that's why I'm saying it can be both. And like you said, balance. It can be a balance leaning towards one or the other yeah. and it's going to shift over time. But I think that's really cool that you're mindful of your family because I feel like a lot of people our age and younger especially forget about their family because like you've been with them your whole life since you were little and you grew up with your parents and then it's like you get this freedom and you can move out and you can get a job and then it's just like oh cool I can do all these things and it's like wait don't forget about your parents and don't forget about whoever else you were around in your family that you grew up with your grandparents your cousins your uncles whatever it is it's like spend that time with them while you can and whenever you can like not even just because one day they won't be there but even just because it's like those are relationships that are totally different than the ones you share with your friends you know me and you won't have the same relationship that like you and your dad have or yeah. you and your uncle or cousin you know it's just it's just different no matter how much time we spend together it's like we don't have those like you know 20 plus years going back where it's like yeah. they can offer you something different than what I can offer you as in terms of perspectives and ideas and bonding and fun and laughing like it's just different stuff so people should all you know as long as they have good relationships or are able to fix them if they're not it's like family is number one go for it yeah always do your best to to do that and also I think I don't know maybe this will help somebody who's like on the fence about it but I think uh to be the best family member, you have to be the same as, to, I think, to be the best friend or whatever else that you can be to people. You have to be authentically you. And then you don't even have to try to be a good anything. If you're just you, authentic, it's like that pulls in 80, 90% of your effort is just you, you already, there's very little else you have to do besides being there and being you, yeah. you know? It's like if you're available and you're you, and you're not making up or pretending to be somebody else, like everything real happens when you're real. So if you're faking it and then they give you advice, that advice is going towards something fake that wasn't even, like you didn't tell them the real problem. They gave you advice for something that was like, you try to beat around the bush and like, yeah. I've seen that with close friends. It's like they told me about this really bad problem they had and then I gave them advice. Half a year later, I find out that's not what the real problem was and it was something so much worse they didn't want to tell me. And then it just, my advice meant nothing. Their whole thing got worse. And it was all just like, you yeah. got to be real. And and that's why for years, like probably like the main mantra that I've lived by is don't do anything you're ashamed to tell people about because that's like, good. It, it's, it's, it's just like the main way to be. I mean, like even when we were talking about like, you know, leading to this podcast and I was just saying how I'm like pretty open book and I'll pretty much talk about anything because even the, th even the things that I've like done that I'm not like proud of like you know like 
those are still things that happened and you know i'm yeah. willing to take accountability for that and you know take my lumps and everything but you know it makes it so much easier to be honest it makes it so much easier to be like clear and open with people totally you know i mean look not to, there's not that's not to say that there aren't things that are still private in people's lives but yeah if you have like like that's why i'm pretty open book because anything that i'm done i'm you know i'm that's just kind of how i go by it if i think that i'm gonna have to hide it from someone i probably shouldn't be doing it absolutely one time i heard a quote somebody said like don't say words that you wouldn't want tattooed on your skin and when i remember that it hits hard because i'm still just like i'm not quite there you know it's like i don't i'm not like saying too much mean things about people or something but once in a while it's like you're talking about something and you're like just like oh wow if that was tattooed on my skin like that would be kind of shameful you know it's like and it, it just goes to show like you're you're always kind of evolving but it's like if you can really perfect your speech in terms of like respectfulness and your approach and your outlook to everything on like you know what's what's really like proper in terms of like realness but also like uh i don't know it just like puts you in your place or something kind of it's just it's the same as like don't do something you know like what you said and it's just like don't do something you wouldn't want to tell someone let's say don't say something you wouldn't want others to hear you say or something so yeah definitely those are like really good good things to be inspired by and you know if you mess up once in a while it's like well you at least know you messed up yeah because you have that as a frame of reference yeah everyone's fallible and you know i think the important part is just being accountable about it and i like i said it's, it's the long game i think if if you know if you're generally an honest person who doesn't do bad things or you know with as as, as infrequently as humanly possible, you know, th- yeah. then, you know, maybe it's not going to take a month, but, you know, in the aggregate of five, ten years or whatever, people will look to you or uh, look at you as, you know, someone who's just down the middle and, you know, is real. And, yeah. you know, you can know that when they're getting to you, like, when they're speaking to you, like, you're, you're getting them for the most, like, you know, for almost all they are. Yeah, you know? exactly. So, like, I mean, you were saying before, like, what are some things that I, like, look for? for my future like that that would be like one of them it's like i want mm-hmm. everyone to know like that like you know i'm honest and open like i that like that's yeah. like a way i'd want to be perceived you know it doesn't have to be tomorrow i'm 23 you might already you know? be there yeah maybe you, might, you know maybe you could improve it somewhat but i think you're already in that realm like Perfect. at least to me i feel like i can just tell you whatever you know yeah i, I appreciate that and that's another thing is i always want to be a good listener i feel like that's so important and i i feel like a lot of people don't practice active listening and yeah. everyone wants to get their word in edgewise, which granted, like, I feel like I've probably done a lot of that today, but I like to think this is a bit of a different setting because it's literally a podcast, but like just in general of like, you know, everyone wants to get their word and everyone wants to be considered like the wise person with the sagely wisdom to say, <laughs> but like, you know, I mean, not for nothing, you don't get that wisdom without listening either. It's just important to like, you get it from, from listening, if anything. Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah. 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 yeah i've definitely got better with with that over the years and like i've seen like certain people that are just like they will interrupt you before you finish saying what you're saying just so they could say something that they thought of and it's like yeah they're excited to contribute to the conversation and once in a while interrupting is necessary because it's just too awesome and you got to say something before you forget but you know like usually interrupting is just like not the best thing to do 
Yeah. And I try to do it as little as possible. Like I said, we all do it to some degree, and it's okay, like in small amounts. But when there's something serious, you want to really just listen, you know? There's going to be time you can talk right after anyway. So yeah, like, exactly. Down, I mean, just... unless you're talking to someone who doesn't give you that time. But in which case, yeah, like, then, you know, tricky. either either dominate the conversation if you want to and be like, all right, then, you know, we're both doing this game. Or just let them say their piece and realize, okay, this isn't someone I want to be around then at length. Bingo. You know? It goes that way sometimes. Yeah, totally. For sure. <coughs> Next subject. Next subject. That's a, that's something I have plenty of thoughts on. I can talk about that for you yeah. know till the sun goes down. What so. else you got? No, that's really good. Then keep going. Even. No, I mean like <laughs> <laughs> interrupting me. <laughs> no, I'm um, yeah. No, I mean I feel like these are the types of discussions that I made this podcast for. Really, like yeah, I love I, this stuff. I guess like I don't know. I see a lot of friends like or a lot of people or not like i see a lot of them but i just like see the, the ones that i do who like they want to be perceived as like the very wise like adulty one who knows who knows all um but then when i like see how they go about it like to me it's just so artificial you know what i mean and it's like oh like i like we like we actually kind of want the same thing um like we kind of want the same thing but like we actually kind of don't you know because yeah. like, I, I feel like my way of getting there is like the truest one. Of course, I think that though because it's my idea. Everybody probably yeah. thinks that, yeah. but um, but it's also where are you at this point, and where have you like you know something? You think what you're doing right now is the best because you probably tried similar or different things that didn't work out as well, and then you kind of developed it into like oh, it should be this way. This would work even better, and so it's like I think we all, in the given moment, at any moment, are like doing our best because it's our best for that time, and so. Yeah. It's fair to have some something in your head where you're like, I'm doing this right. But you might not be. You have to be aware that you might not be. But like yeah. in this case with the listening and mindfulness, like it's pretty obvious that that's the way to be like most of the yeah. time. There's no well, the issue. The issue isn't, not to cut you off, but uh, you know, the, the issue that could be seen with that is just like being a pushover or just being someone who like, you know, yeah, lets no, people talk at them. It's different, but you have to make sure it doesn't become that. Of course. I guess. Um, you know, but I guess more so what I just mean is like how people can look at that. You know, whereas I look like, it's funny because with me, when I hear someone really like dominating a conversation, it's funny because I feel like it used to be this way with just like being a storyteller, which is ironic too because I feel like that was like a trait that people liked about me um, or at least one that people didn't dislike about me, but I'm even trying to kind of get a little further away from that. Um, but just like when I hear people like have very, take very adamant positions and like get very like, you know, in your face or not even in your face, like in an aggressive or hostile, hostile way, just like, um, as if they like, basically when people take an approach as if they know all, I automatically like take a fighting stance to that. And then just kind of like, I don't like, I don't buy this, like whatever is going on here, I don't buy this. Which, you know, I can miss out on stuff, too, because, like, that's something I automatically kind of shut out. Mm-hmm. But, like, when I see the person with, like, who's a lot more stoic, a lot more silent, and, you know, a lot more, you could tell they're taking in and processing, I respect and, like, admire that approach so much more. Me, too. Um, yeah. I see it as, like, those people that are, like, so into the thing and they want all the attention and stuff. I'm like, wow, you still you still care what people think about you and it shows yeah, exactly it shows exactly. a lot 
like you really care what people think about you and then you're pulling the chain too close and it's gonna go away they're gonna dislike you because of that yeah exactly because it's so like you just gotta chill like you said if you're like more stoic or whatever and, and like because of that like <clears throat> that open listening approach is like is something i realized too is like <clears throat> something i realized a long time ago is i want people to be really really honest with me and because of that i try to be as yeah. as non-defensive as possible I try to be as open to what people have to say, both both about their own lives or even just like criticism or anything like that. And you know, like it's hard sometimes to like, you know, look up the gut of it and like, you know, take like your criticisms about yourself. But um, it's obviously like super important. And yeah, it's like, uh, it helps you grow. Totally. But once again, finding that balance of not just letting people like insult you or whatever in the name of criticism and being yeah. like, wait, no, this is like, I don't find this valid and no, I'm not going to let you talk to me like that. Yeah. Like, so that's one thing. Sometimes you have to just be like, no, actually I'm this way because of this. You know, there's something else. You're not necessarily right with your criticism or like, yeah. here's my, why I did that? Maybe we can work it out and figure out if there's something valid to yours and to mine, or, or maybe I am wrong and you're right. But it's like, yeah. you can't just take a criticism and immediately accept it. You have to kind of ponder it for a while. Exactly. And you know, and sometimes that moment isn't the right time, you know what I mean? Because then you just come off as instantly defensive, and maybe you are, or whatever. Um, <clears throat> but, you know, to um, basically, like, so because of that, I'd rather, you know, I, I'll, you know, I think I've gotten pretty good at just, like, I mean, look, the way I see it is if I have a weakness, I'd love to address it, and, you know, mm -hmm. if I'm not letting you tell me what it is, then how am I supposed to work on it, you know? And sure. I have, like, I have one friend in particular who um, I, I feel like, I guess I see this a lot in him and I feel like he's really struggling with some insecurity and all this stuff and perhaps I haven't been there as much as well as I should have been as a friend lately but you know that's I have my reasons and you know whatever those may be valid or not but um and something about this friend in particular that I realized and a lot of people are like this but I, I think he's like the strongest case so that's what sticks in my head the most mm -hmm. is like he's someone who like, like when I ask a question, like, do you think, do you, what do you think about this or whatever? And I'll, like, I almost always hedge it with like, you know, like, and if it's, and if it's this answer, tell me that too. You know what I mean? Or like, I, I really yeah. try and be as like, I remember I was like, like, I'll ask people questions or something. And if, I know that if I'm like, if I may be broaching like a sensitive subject, I'll even say like verbatim, I'll be like, and if you don't want to answer, tell me, just go screw myself. You don't have to answer. Like, you know what I mean? I really yeah. try and guide them in such a way where I'm like, I, I'm giving you as many indicators as humanly possible that if you give me an honest answer, I will not fight you on it. Like yes. I, we will not, I will not turn this into something like I will hear you out on it. Like yeah. I try to make that as abundantly as clear as possible because I noticed, you know, if you ask a leading question or even if you ask a question that can be perceived as leading, most people are just kind of going to give you the answer you want to hear, especially if it's someone, you know, if it's someone who's just like a passing conversation. So I have this one friend who will like, he'll ask questions, like he'll literally ask like myself and other friends of ours, he'll be like, he'll be like, you know, cause I think I'm like an attractive person and you know, we won't say anything. He'll be like, I mean, you know, do you, do you think I'm attractive? And it's like, <laughs> my one friend, he was like, wow, you know, literally no friend has ever asked me that before, you know, or stuff like, um, you know, he'll be like, yeah, because, you know, I think I, you know, he won't even say I think, you know, he'll be like, you know, because I, I, I have a, I, you know, I, I'm, an, I'm an intelligent guy. Do you, do you think I'm intelligent? 
And it's like, and I, I, he literally said, and I, I remember I, to that, I, I specifically responded, I said, first of all, it shouldn't matter if I think you're intelligent or not. But <laughs> Which second, is I'm, like, you can perceive that as just being like, you're not. But I do, th- but I do. Okay. And, um, it, which is why I said, I was like, but I do think you are, you know? Yeah. But, um, and what I just realized though with this person <clears throat> and like, he does this, like, that's like a very common trend of his. And what I realized uh-huh. is, m- like I said, he's the strongest case of this, but I see this in so many people too. He wants people to say yes to him. I want people to be honest with me. Yeah. You know? And yeah. because look, it's easy to get someone to say yes to you. Like I said, especially a passing conversation. If sure. you just give them like something and you really point them in direction of what they, what you want to hear, like they'll probably, you know, follow along with it. If yeah, you sure. formulate the question in the way that the answer is the one you want. Exactly, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's not hard. Usually. I would prefer to hear like, no, you're not intelligent and here's why. Exactly. And then I can learn from that. Yeah, but here's the Even thing. Even though it's like, you don't want to be told like, no, you're not intelligent or any positive quality. But in the long term, you really do want to hear that because yeah. it's the if that's the real answer that that person has and then you get to hear why and you can do something with it. You can even disagree with it if you feel like it, you know, but, but to at least hear it, if it's the real answer, then that's the real answer. Yeah. Bring because, it on. I want it. Because then you yeah. can't, A, you can't address it and B, you go along, you go through life like thinking you're being perceived in a completely different way because, and then you can mm-hmm. point to the, the proof points of, <clears throat> well, when I asked this person if I was intelligent, they said I, they thought I was. And it's like, okay, mm-hmm. but you probably asked it in a fashion where, <clears throat> Or in a manner, you know, there are people who take like, um, there are some people who take like intimidating approaches to getting the answers they want, obviously. And, you know, the idea is like if you, you know, if someone thinks that they're going to have an uphill battle by answering the question honestly, most people like don't want to do that yeah. or waste their time doing it. I'm typically someone who actually doesn't care. Like, like I'll usually just give the honest answer. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, <coughs> but sometimes if I'm like, it, uh, this it's happened before where like I'll be like working on something and someone will like say something to try and like provoke me <clears throat> and I'll just like I'll just let it pass because like I have something to do right now like if it was right. a week it was a Saturday and it was like you know 5 p.m. like sure I could I have the time but right now I don't so whatever um yeah which so, is important too exactly here. yeah so that's like that was just like an observation I had this with this this person made me realize it with like a lot of people where like yeah, they, a lot of people don't want to hear the honesty. and Or they'll say, oh, no, I want an honest answer. But then the second you give it to them, well, actually, this and the other. It's like, <laughs> so you, 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 you know, you're not actually going to listen to this. Like, you know. Right, yeah. Or this, it's like they wanted the honest answer as a gamble of, like, hopefully yeah. <laughs> I hear my answer that I want to hear. Exactly. Because and, then they'll know that it's real and that it double satisfies their, like, need for that. Yeah. Because they're like, wow, that was the real answer. I really am intelligent. Because I told him he could tell me I wasn't if I wasn't, and he still told me I did, so I am, dude. Yeah. And it's just like, then you get the The, double boost of it, and it's, yeah. yeah, Though I will say, (laughs) most of the time, the people who ask those questions, they don't even give the the qualifier of, you can, like, you can be really honest with me. Like, they usually tend to not say that Mm -hmm. because they don't want to give that out. You know what I mean? They don't want to give you that to say. They They just ask the question, and then when you say, like, you know, they could be like, all I did was ask the question. I posed the question, and I got the answer. So, you know, yeah. but obviously it's about a lot of its tonality, a lot of its personality, a lot of its making abundantly clear what you say I will listen to, you know. Um, yeah, I just thought that was yeah. interesting. So what can people take from this? If you're right now listening and you're the type of person who asks those kinds of questions because you want that kind of 
validation and it is important to have validation in certain aspects of our life in certain times and sometimes we need a lot and sometimes we don't need it anymore and like you know where do they go now do you have any advice yeah i would say find validation from the people who matter <clears throat> you know something i've realized from this bit of a journey i've been on is people will perceive you however they do like you can make such a conscious effort to do or do not do one thing and like just to harken back really quick about this complainer thing i like about a year or two ago i basically like made an entire resolve to just not complain anymore <clears throat> i was like I, I i just don't want to do it anymore there are people in my life who complain a lot and i despise it and i was like i don't want to be i don't want to be that person and I, inherently i am a complainer like i realize that that is like something I, I i like to do and i have done and i realize like that is not who i want to be so the way i did it is i just kind of reset myself i just like anything that even would maybe remotely be considered a complaint i just stopped doing which ultimately ended up being like two weeks i barely said like words to people <laughs> and and after once you like and you know naturally you want to be like and then you just have to like quash it and then after a week or two it like really kind of reset that's not to say i'm perfect and occasionally i might say stuff and the other thing too is i might not actively complain but if you ask me what's up or what's wrong i will give you an answer you don't want to hold things in either there's a there's an yeah. important balance because it's unhealthy to hold things in when maybe, they bother you maybe that's actually probably my biggest weakness because that's probably the biggest struggle that i've had what um, that you don't complain now yeah or it's funny because there are probably people listening to this <laughs> yeah. being like he complains all the time so who it knows it depends on your uh perspective on what could be considered a complaint versus not and but yeah it's like i heard a thing pretty recently that was very in-depth and it was talking about how people who never complain like die early they get a lot of diseases and stuff because they're holding in emotions that need to be vocalized and dealt with and so you have to find the balance of like you know you don't want to be complaining all the time but if something needs to be complained about or just mentioned you know mentioning yeah. versus complaining is in the eye of the beholder so I sometimes you just got to do it so i just want to make sure you're not like overly not complaining in an attempt to not complain so much yeah, the, the pendulum's definitely swung a bit far, but it's because I don't want to be perceived as a complainer, and what I realized from this process is... So I mean, you still care about what people think about you? I, well, like I said, I care, about, I care about what the people I care about think about me. Yeah. You know, like, yeah, the, yeah, the right, right people, so to yeah. speak. And I'm, I remember, I'm, like, half-joking, because everybody, obviously, you have to. Yeah. That's important. Exactly. And, like, that's the thing. If some random person thinks I'm a complainer, like, some random down the street, like, then I don't really care, but if it's, yeah. like... A manager of mine at work who thinks I'm which this is not the case but like let's say my manager yeah. at work thought I was a complainer like that or my colleagues or you know yeah you wouldn't want like to. that's an issue you right. know that has like real concrete effects or exactly, consequences yeah. but um so I went on this like whole tangent like this whole th tear I'm still on it really of, like really trying not to complain and I remember I had my friend actually the same friend call me he said that I complained about this one thing all the time <laughs> And I did not handle that well. Like, I, I got way too defensive. Like, I shouldn't have. I'm not proud of how I handled that. <clears throat> but um, <laughs> but it was just, like, an eye-opener to me of, like, like, I mean, like, every example he brought up I, I knew was basically, like, he had he would broach the topic with me and then I would talk about it. And that would be, you know, in his mind, he would perceive that as a complaint. Um, okay. Yeah, that's what I'm wh saying. Wh which, granted, he was also kind of busting my chops. But, like, you know, it still was, like, those fighting words to me because I made yeah. such a concerted effort not to. Yeah. Um, but it was just an eye-opener to me. I was like, you can really do everything right or as much right as you can. And, like, you can still, for some people, not achieve what you're looking for. Yep. 
And that's like what I said earlier about like the patience and the long game is like that hurt and that sucked, but I'm confident that if I just keep it up for, you know, years that eventually, you know, I will not be perceived as that. Should I care? Maybe, you know, maybe not. Maybe a little bit less. Maybe a little bit less, but that is where we're at. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, it, it, sorry, I don't want to interrupt you. No, no, no. I was going to just like, to answer the initial question about like, what can people do with it? Yeah. It's just like, they're, they're, you know, they're, first off, the one thing to keep in mind is that you're never going to, you're never going to get 100% approval. I mean, you know, like, there are yeah. always going to be stragglers or people that, like, you know, if you, if the first time you meet someone, you have to be having a, a bad day and that's, like, <clears throat> the interaction they have with you, like, that is how they'll perceive you. Hopefully you have enough, you, you've played it well long enough where people will go to bat for you and be like, no, that's actually not that person. Like, you really just got them on such a bad moment. Um, but maybe that's, you know, maybe that's not the case. So you're never going to get 100% approval and you have to be okay with that. Everyone's opinion is not built equally, at least in how we, you know, how we relate to them. I care a lot more what my dad thinks about me than someone on the subway. Yeah. You know what I mean? Totally. Um, so that's important too. Make sure you're not just seeking the validation of everyone, but seeking the validation of people that can really, that really matter to you. And people that understand you so they know what they're judging. Yes. You know, let's say you meet your favorite celebrity and they don't view you favorably and you thought they were awesome, but they don't know who you are from that. Like you said, one interaction could have been anything. So it's like, you know, who cares what like this baseball player thinks of me, even though he's famous, like you can't wait that person's opinion on you, like how your parents' opinion would be, for example. Yeah. And the other thing I think I would say is, and it's funny because we all know this, but everyone just forgets it, is... Even those people that you look at and you're like, that's who I want to like be perceived as. That's why I want people to think of me as or whatever. Like, oh, like this person's so great and awesome. Like they obviously all have crazy struggles and things that about them that like are really not admirable and things that you really don't want to be like. Yeah. And especially if you're the type of person to paint your life as how awesome it is and get defensive when people say it's not good or something's not good. <clears throat> A lot of those people really have their own struggles. And you just don't see it because they, they don't openly talk about that stuff. But if you got an yeah. inside look, you would go, oh, wait, okay, like, yeah, I still want to be, like, this 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 facet of this person. But as, like, a, a big picture, like, this person doesn't actually have everything all together. And, it, yeah. you know, and that's why it's okay that you may not. Right. Um, so those are probably, like, the three or four whatever biggest things I'd say. Yeah, that's good. Because, yeah, totally. Like, we always see people's highlights on Instagram and stuff like that. And... Or on whatever, you know, you could see a documentary about someone and be like, oh, they're so cool. But it's like, if you walked a day in their shoes or a week or a month, you might be like, eh, I'll take my old life back. You yeah. know, like, I'll take my problems over their problems. Like, everybody has some kind of problems and you're probably not going to know what they are. Yeah. But everybody is a human and everyone has the same, like, you know, you might have different strengths and weaknesses, but it's not like... You can't compare yourself to others because you, it's impossible to fairly compare. And, and it's, what's so ridiculous about it, too, is, like, if you polled a 1,000 people, a 1,000 people would say they agree with that. <clears throat> but then when it comes to practice, you know, they just, like... Do it anyway? Yeah, they just don't, you know, and which is so weird because, like, we all know that we all have issues and we all know that we all have our problems behind closed doors. So if you're the type of person to, like, you know, try and mask that stuff and, like, say, no, like, actually everything's, like, 
awesome and I'm doing better than you, like that type of approach. I'm not talking about the person who's like, no, everything's good. Like, you know, that's, it is what it is. Like, I'm talking about the person who's like actively using other people to make their lives come off as better. <laughs> that's like, I guess more so yeah. the target I'm talking about. I mean, you know, we look at those people and we're like, you know, you just have to know as a human, like, okay, there is something like that this person isn't divulging for whatever yeah. reason. I think you're right that we all know it and we all still do it because I'm sitting here saying it and then I'm thinking like maybe not super recently but I can think of a time like maybe a year ago where I had thought like oh you know like the one thing that I'm not like as good as I want to be on yet as a person is like I see somebody else that I know doing that thing with ease and for me it's a real struggle to do and I'm like it's so easy they can do it why can't I do it and it's like you're comparing to that person even though it's like you know maybe they have some other problem that I've mastered and to me is not a problem so it's just like yeah. you you can't compare because you both nobody's perfect and I'm not telling them what my thing is and they're not telling me what their thing is but we both have at least one you know so yeah and I mean like that's another positive side I, I feel with being like really honest with people is just like you know letting them know i mean look it's also it's a balance of like not wanting to victimize yourself and be like actually things are really hard and like i'm like a, i'm such a soldier for getting through it yeah i try not know. to do that but also being like hey you know like you know i not like anyone's looking at my life being like oh my god that's perfect henry over there but just like you know type of like like you said there are certain things that i have that you don't have and vice versa right um so it's like, you know, being kind of like a shoulder to lean on in that regard or just like a, a comforting personality. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I think one of my problems I've been noticing lately is that I try not to like, well, it's hard to view it as a problem, but like because of the fact that I try not to sound like a victim of certain things, I accidentally downplay when something is wrong. People think there's not much of a problem when there's a pretty big problem and it's not that I'm hiding it, but it's not that I'm like trying not to like make it sound worse than it is or something and I end up making it sound better than it is like without noticing. So then they're just like, oh yeah, he has this tiny thing and it's yeah. probably nothing. And it's like, no, no, I wouldn't have mentioned it if it was probably nothing. Like it's actually a yeah. substantial thing, but... I'm not trying to focus my energy on how bad it is or like, you know, it's just like, that's not where my attention needs to go because it's not productive. Yeah. So, so I do like pretty much the exact same thing, especially really? with the advent of like this whole no complaining policy I'm trying to adopt. <laughs> you gotta be um, careful. That one's a little worrying. No, no, it is. It's a, it's, it's a hard one to navigate for sure. And my general approach to it is, I know I kind of mentioned this before, but it's like, <clears throat> if, if you ask, and for me, it's like, it has to be a genuine ask, like, not just like, you know, what's up, and then it's all good, like, and then I'll just, like, totally, like, dump on you, but if, like, you, like, really show, like, initiative to ask me what's up, then I'll, yeah, I'll happily tell you, like, I guess what it all dials back to for me is I don't want to come off as a burden, and if you're someone, if I, you know, if you're someone who's like, hey, what's up, oh, I'm glad you asked, this, that, and the other, and then I'm like, it's like, becomes exhausting to deal right with away. me, yeah, yeah, but if, 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 I am important enough in your life where you actually want to help me work through these things, then I'm happy to, I'm happy to, you know, utilize you and have this symbiotic relationship where you can help me out and I'll feel better and you can feel better knowing that you helped a friend out. You know, that's always, yeah. that always is a great feeling that's too. Great. 
So like my general approach is if you ask me about it, I'll tell you. But if you don't ask me about it, I'll keep it to myself. Because, yeah. you know, if you don't want to hear about it, you yeah, have to give me a sign that you want to hear about it. You know? Exactly. It's for certain people. And it's not, like, once again, it's not that I, it's because I'm embarrassed or ashamed to tell anyone. If anyone asked, and with serious intentions, I would tell them. Yeah. But I'm not just going to, you know, divulge it all off rip. Yeah, that's really good. That's, like, that's how it pretty much should be. Because, you know, your problems are not for the person on the subway or for your friend when he only has three minutes to talk yeah. to. You know, it's like, it's for those situations where it's like, like you said, like somebody's in the mood to help out or to hear it. And, or if you really need it, you can ask someone like, hey, I have this problem. Could you find an hour to talk to me sometime this week or sometime today? Yeah. I would like to talk to you about this. It's not about us. It's just about anything. I need help or like whatever it is, you know, but yeah. it's like finding the right moment for it and then you can go really deep with it. But it's like you can't do that all the time. Yeah. How did you get all your friends in the military except for you? Like, where did that come from? That's kind of unique. I don't think I have any <coughs> military friends. I might actually, but I, <coughs> not that I can think of right now. I might have like one or two like distant friends. Like there was like one fingerboarder who went to the army that I can think of, but. Yeah. So, I mean, a big one's my brother, like, my, and it's actually not like I'm friends with a bunch of his army friends, but it's more like, you know, I'm friends with a couple and I just hear mostly stories about them. So it was my brother, my friend Joey just happened to join. I guess another part of it is I was a Boy Scout, which naturally is like a bit of a feeder into the military sometimes. Um, so I have like Joey I was a Boy Scout with. I have a buddy of mine who was, I was also a Scout with. He was in the military. He is still in the military. Um, and then just a couple of friends from high school, I guess. Um, yeah, it's I, I really guess... I mean, I guess if if there are people who really don't have any, then I obviously have more than that. But it's not like I have a crazy amount of military friends. Um, you have more than me. Yeah, I, I, I guess, yeah. So I, that, that's really what it is. But, like, I guess, like, all told, I probably have, like, probably under 10. And Some people don't even have 10 friends, though. That's, like, a lot. So, I mean, I, I guess it also depends on how you classify friends. Like, you know, I, I, that's definitely, like, you know, friend would be a strong term, like, yeah, you know, like if it's like my brother's really close friend who I know about, like, yeah. yeah. I mean, I guess I'd more so just classify him as like you know, an acquaintance or yeah. you know, or in shorthand, just like a buddy or something. Um, but like you know, we know who each other are, and the, mm -hmm. the few times we've hung out, we've enjoyed it, even though my brother and him are super close. Um, but yeah, I, I guess that's pretty much that's pretty much it. Probably no greater story there. But I guess another part of it is that there is this because. I'm so close with my brother and because my brother and I like talk, I've learned so much about the military from my brother. Like I'm it, military people tend to converse in a very specific way. It's a lot of, they speak in a lot of acronyms. They speak in like a lot of like military speak that, you know, because they have such a unique shared experience. And obviously I don't have that shared experience, but like I'm able to level with a lot of them and like, like I'm able to listen to them and, and hear what they're like and understand what they're saying. Whereas there's like a learning curve if they're talking to a, just a, a regular civilian. I have a buddy of mine who used to be in the Marines, not Joey, a different one. And we were just talking about some military thing the other day. And he literally goes, he goes, dude, how do you actually know all this stuff? He's like, he was like, he's like, I get you have your brother and your buddies in the military, but like, I would think you were in if you were just like talking to me, like on the street or something. So, you know, just because I'd picked up a lot of that knowledge from my brother. Cool. Yeah. I feel like the crossover that I can perceive as like your discipline and stuff is very developed 
and it always has been since I met you since you were younger when you were 14 but like you have like a very solid discipline that like it shows in a positive way on the outside and it's not like a strict military like like uh, uh, like it's just it's just like wow Henry's like he knows what to do he's like pretty well put together you know solid solid dude you know and like it just it's interesting you know because like I don't know I feel like parts of our society these days is like so against discipline almost or they put discipline in the wrong places and it's like I don't know you got your discipline in the right place I think uh, yeah I appreciate that I like to I like to think that as well it's nice to hear, hear you say that I appreciate yeah, that it's working <laughs> see and when you don't look for validation you get real validating comments from people in our, when it comes up in conversation and then it's like yeah, exactly like if like what you just said would mean so much less to me if I was like talking to you about how like yeah I really like to think I'm a really disciplined person don't you think I'm disciplined like it wouldn't you know obviously it wouldn't mean the same so you know I appreciate that yeah yeah absolutely cool <laughs> that was hilarious dude that stance don't ever do that again <laughs> isn't that gross I'm gonna pee my pants what's your biggest strength my biggest strength I would probably say is, yeah, probably my discipline, slash, slash hard workingness, which I think is more so under the discipline umbrella. Yeah. But um, yeah, I like to think I'm a very disciplined person. Um. I, I, there's a lot of people who always have that mentality of I'll do it tomorrow, I'll do it tomorrow, which I like. Not say I've never dealt with bouts of that, but what I've noticed about myself is like, when I say I'm gonna do something tomorrow, there's like an actual reason I can't do it today, and then I do it tomorrow. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, like that, I'll do it tomorrow only happens once. Like it's really only a, it will happen tomorrow, and then it does. Um, yeah, obviously I think that's one of my biggest strengths. I think another big strength of mine, I always say is like my superpower is my self-awareness. I like to think I'm really self-aware, which ladders back to like everything we were talking about before just about like being able to be accountable and like do your best to grow as a person I feel you can only do that if you're really self-aware and you know are cognizant of like your faults and how people perceive you um not to keep using buzzwords like that we've been using like the whole podcast but you know I think that's important to be able to to, to be able to look at your weaknesses and your faults and say, <clears throat> I'm not a bad person because of these, and I'm, I don't, yeah. I don't suck because of them. But um, if I'm able to address these, I should, I should. And you know, maybe for whatever reason, there are certain that you just like can't address, like you know, whatever that thing may be. Like I don't know if one of your, like if one of your uh, weaknesses or one of the things that you think is a weakness of yours is like, I don't know you like can't grow your hair out in a certain way or whatever. I mean, that's obviously a stupid one. Like it's a bad example, but like if you can't grow your hair out in a certain way, um, or I guess here's a better one. Like one of your weaknesses is like, you think you can't grow a beard, for example, yeah. to like be able to look at that and be like, okay, I can't grow a beard. That that's out of your control basically. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and you know, you just have to like be okay with that. And then, and also not be like, defensive when people I don't know make fun of you for not having a beard or something like that or whatever and just and just like be confident in yourself knowing like because when you when you're that self-aware you're able to like grapple with that ahead of time and be like 
yeah, I, I, I know this about myself. Like, these are not, these things don't hurt me yeah. anymore, you know? Not news to me, you know? Yeah. Just who cares? Which, which I think, I guess, is kind of intertwined with discipline in a way, just like, you know, because I, I think it takes some discipline to be self-aware, um, or at least, like, radically self-aware, as it? I think I am. I think, I'm not sure. You might be onto something, but I never thought of it that way, because... Also, I think of my self-awareness as like a double-edged sword. Like sometimes it's super helpful and sometimes it totally ruins the moment for me. It's like I'm too self-aware and it gives me anxiety or something like, oh, my heart's beating too fast right now. What's going on? Or like (laughs) something stupid like that. And it can totally derail you if you like spiral into anxiety versus if I wasn't aware of that, I wouldn't have even gone there at all. And I'd be immersed in the moment where I should be and like, so sometimes the self-awareness, like when it's, when it's more physical, like it can trigger anxiety in people and then, or some people that are self-aware, not me personally, but some people are self-aware and it makes them very critical of themselves and very negative and like not confident. Mm-hmm. And so I think it can do both, but versus discipline, I feel like discipline, I was actually going to ask you a follow-up question, but we can go to it after, but I was going to ask you like, what benefits does discipline bring to you so that people can get a deeper understanding because if you're not very disciplined or you haven't pondered discipline as a topic in general it kind of seems foreign and strict and like oh why that why would you be such a way why would you be so rigid or something like that when in reality it's not like you're also creative and you're also open so it's like discipline in itself is actually a topic to dive into I think yeah so I can answer your question with like this specific example. I mean, maybe me saying discipline and self-awareness are intertwined is wrong, but I guess well, they could be intertwined too. Exactly. But. Yeah, that's the way. Like, I guess my approach to self-awareness, they end up being intertwined because to be to be like radically self-aware, um, like you said, of course, as with everything, especially with all radical things, there's downsides and positives of, of both. Um, but like to be able to be able to look at yourself and be self-aware and really acknowledge your faults acknowledge your flaws grieve them mire in them you, you know for the time that you need to it shouldn't be a it shouldn't take forever to be able to do that and come out on the other end takes discipline and mental discipline to say i'm going to sit in this i'm going to sit in this pain or whatever you want to call it the sad emotion looking at all those stuff wrong with me and I'm not going to let that speak ill of myself I'm not going to make that make me think that I'm less of anything um but I'm going to use this as a way to better myself then that's where like the discipline comes into play because it's easy to sit in it and just be like yeah if you're and just focus on all the negatives and say, oh yeah, it's because I suck. But it, it takes some, a little more mental fortitude to to convince yourself, to be able to bombard yourself with the negative stuff and still not feel that way. Let yeah. it completely tear you down. I like that. It's like when you're feeling bad about something, you need to take the proper time to feel bad about it and be in that emotion. And then you also need to come out of it at the end. You can't just stay there because all feelings pass anyways, but you can either allow it to pass or you can try to let it not pass. And it's like, If you have that discipline to be like, okay, I'm feeling 60% better about this thing. I still feel pretty bad, but now I'm going to choose to move on rather than try to solve that last 40% right now. It's like sometimes you just have to be like, pull a little bit of strength out and be like, I don't feel like it, but I'm going to just do it. 
and we'll see where it leads and then it usually leads somewhere good it's like you figure out the rest later when you're like at least you got out of bed or like wherever you were like where you yeah. were suffering and yeah totally yeah the grieving process is important and i don't even just mean grieving in terms of like you know mourning the loss of a loved one but i mean you know just anytime there's like a sad thing you have to or, or you know just a not awesome thing sometimes you yeah. just have to grieve it and you know that's obviously a harsh word but sometimes it's not that harsh of a process um mm -hmm. yeah and that's important and that's just let it consume you and then that's who you become the rest of your life like you need like you said you need to come out on the other end of it yeah sometimes people get stuck on one because they maybe they didn't process it right in the moment they either held it in too much or they didn't share it or they didn't have the right perspective but yeah it's it's important to like immerse yourself in it when you need to but then move on to the next thing too keep it going keep things fresh keep things rolling keep keep trying you know if it's just that you failed at something that's great keep trying you know do it a little different it's the same as a fingerboard trick every time you miss the trick you're changing little things in your finger positioning and movements until you land it mm. so life is the same as a skate trick fingerboard trick just like keep trying yeah totally i think I think I'm a way more disciplined person than I realized I was for a long time. And I've been realizing it in the last few years, like, wow, I'm extremely disciplined. Like I try not to compare myself to others, but if I do compare myself to others, I see it where it's like, oh, you know, I found out I was lactose intolerant. So I stopped eating milk and cheese and stuff like that versus some people that I see that are lactose intolerant. And they're like, yeah, sometimes I just eat it and throw up and it's worth it or like, or it sucks or like, I'm like, why do you eat it? Like I've never eaten it since. I just like, wanna say lactose intolerant people are like a very specific breed of psycho with that stuff. Like they, like you won't talk to someone who's allergic to nuts who will be like, yeah, but I love Reese's and then I just EpiPen myself. Like that doesn't happen with yeah. people who are allergic to nuts. But people who like are lactose intolerant, like do stuff like that all the time. Anyway, continue. That's just like a very specific yeah. observation. It's I've true, had I've come across a lot of them, but I'm not that way. I'm just like, yeah. I don't have it. You know, I had it once by accident a few years later and like I suffered so much and I, it just yeah. confirmed to me like, you know, don't do it and that's it. And it's like, you can't slip up on that, dude. Like, <laughs> I don't, I can't slip up on that. And so then it goes further to like, okay, what else if there's something else I'm not gonna eat? Even if it's like, let's say I wanna say I'm not gonna do for a month, I'm not gonna do for a month. Like, why would I just do the thing I said I wasn't gonna do? And to me, it's like easy, you know, if it's like a food that I used to like and then I find out it's really, really bad for me or something and I decide consciously I don't want to eat it anymore, then I just don't eat it anymore. And to me, it ends there. But to some people, it's like, oh, I slipped up and I had one or like I said, screw it. And I bought a box and I ate them all in one night. And it's like I'm, I, I can't be that person even if I tried. Like, I don't even think of that as an option, you know, yeah. and it's the same with when I say I'm going to put down the phone for 20 hours, whatever, 24 hours, I just shut it off and I put it like, you're, you're not going to go back on it unless, unless you weren't committed in the first place is how I see it. So maybe I have some crazy discipline too, but I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, look, I mean, look, the, the business you've built, you don't build that without discipline. I mean, like that's just straight up how it is. So you're, you're definitely a, an example of discipline. I, w I would think, um, that's, I, you know i never even thought of it but it's for sure yeah you know and, and i mean that, and that's not even like that's not even to mention like you know some of your more personal choices that you already kind of mentioned like like your very intentional diet and your dedication to you know kind of staying in tune with life as opposed to always being on the on your phone like i mean those are very strong examples of discipline i would i would say yeah 
cool thanks <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah one time i remember like probably 10 years ago or something like i was in whole foods in line and i was using my phone i was on instagram or something and then i just realized like wow every time i'm in this line i'm always on my phone and i don't see what's going on around me and it keeps me calm because i freak out when i'm in the line for too long like i don't know i get stressed or whatever i get like some weird anxiety i still i still have this problem where i suck at being waiting for things like waiting is my least favorite thing and uh but i would use my phone and it wouldn't matter that i was waiting because i'd be in my phone and then one day i was like i'm deleting instagram off my phone and i'm not using this in public because i should be here where i am right now and i should be in the moment and not in my phone and i just got rid of it and like i just don't use social media when i'm out and about anymore like i just straight up i'm like i can't be that person if i see everyone in the line is doing it i stop doing it immediately and i'm like i don't want to do that ever again like this is sad this is like i don't want to use brutal words but i'm like this is kind of it's really sad it's like it's kind of disgusting like no one's here right now all these people are somewhere else in their head when we're all in a store like i don't know you could talk to the person in front of you or you could find a snack next to you in the little quick in the little quick grab area or just stupid little things or like you know something stupid and little or something big could happen you know you might never realize there's like somebody you went to school with behind you and you can reconnect with them or something like yeah so yeah my pushback and we don't have to go into this too much obviously my pushback there would be we also you know we have the 24 hours in a day that we have and if you know if you can if you can find ways to multitask and be more efficient with your time then you know that that could also be cool you know I get it if people are just doom scrolling while they're, you know, waiting waiting online for something. Yeah. But by the same token, you also have to weigh, like, okay, I know that if I go on my phone right now, I'm going to get a nice little dopamine hit and I'll probably see something I like or whatever. Or I could weigh that against the chances of, like, something really, really awesome happening if I'm not doing it. I mean, everyone has to make that, you know, cost-benefit analysis themselves. Um, yeah. And, I mean, and you've made yours, and that's awesome. Like, but, you know, I will say, like, because as, as someone who... I guess I don't actually always, it depends how long the line is, you I guess. You work too hard, Henry. But, <laughs> <laughs> you work too hard. But, but, you know, like, if I'm, like, if I'm online, I'll usually be on my phone. Or at the very least, I'm listening to music. I will say that. Definitely always doing that. Mm-hmm. But um, I always have your buds in. But, um, but yeah, I do hear you. And it's, uh, it's, whatever the decision is, it's commendable that you were able to make it and follow through with it. That's, yeah. You know. Yeah, that's actually the only point of the story was yeah, to say I, that I thought that one day and I just did it ever since. Like, yeah. I just... Uh, yeah, but I don't know. We all have this pressure these days to be like, oh, well, if you could be using the time for something productive, why aren't you? And I'm really pushing against that and saying like, no, I'm the most productive when I'm procrastinating for something and then I'll change the whole world. Like, you know, not change the world, but you know, like I'll do huge things because I don't want to edit a video or something. So I'll get on the computer and I'll be like, oh, let's make this huge, like, let's let's make a collaboration happen or something or like make an event happen somewhere and like help a lot of people get to fingerboard together or like, you know, something bigger than what I would waste my time on the phone in line with. So it's like, yeah. it's okay that I'm not using my time digitally in that moment because later I'm gonna like apply myself and do something like worthwhile. But uh, I forget the tangent that I was kind of, that's not even what I like meant to talk about exactly. Well, I, I mean, and tell me if I'm wrong, I just thought it sounded like what you were more so saying was just like, you know, 
you made this conscious decision to stop what you were doing and it took yeah. the discipline you mustered up to to follow through with it yeah no but 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 past that is like i think people are too eager to multitask and to be productive at every moment like in the grocery store something about work and i've been there also in the line after i got rid of instagram I'm like oh i'll do an email you know yeah. like this email will be uh very useful to answer this now and then something you know maybe by the time i get home i'll have an answer for that answer and we'll be farther along in this project and that's stressful dude you don't you shouldn't be doing that all the time like i really think it's better to slow down and do less work but more intentional work do it intentional when you're sitting down to do the thing and even how i use instagram now it's more intentional where it's like i'm gonna sit down because i filmed this clip earlier and i would like to share it or i have a new product i would like to show people or i want to ask people to post questions for henry <laughs> you know henry's coming on the show i need to open up instagram and post it but it's not like I'm just scrolling and scrolling and scrolling and oh, I gotta post Henry and I'm scrolling more and more. It's like, no, I go on there because I have an idea to post Henry and then if, if I'm unlucky, I'll get caught scrolling by accident, but mm. I try not to. It still gets you sometimes. It's not a luck thing, it's a discipline thing. It's, but, but it I, is discipline, but yeah. it's also, you have to be mindful of that because I only have the discipline when I remember to have it. Totally, yeah, I forget yeah. I, and I'm, I forget yeah. and then I remember it and I close it instantly because I'm like, no, I didn't mean to do that. Yeah. No, I'm it's, totally busting your chops. I mean, it's, it's crazy. It's, and it's so easy. I mean, they have us yeah. so dialed in, man. They could, you know, they, it's crazy how easily they could suck you in. Yeah. And, and I, I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm someone who definitely spends too much time on my phone. So like, this is do. like a, yeah. I still feel like I do, even that I use it so much less. Yeah. Uh, so like, you know, I'm not saying that like this in particular is something that like I, you know, have addressed or whatever. But, but frankly, once again, like any issues in my life or whatever, or like any, parts where I feel like I'm lacking like you know a lot of them obviously I'm sure dial back to phones and social media or whatever but like there's not there's not many things in my life where I'm like if I spent less time on my phone like I would be able to do this that and the other mm -hmm. you know and look I hear what you're saying too with like the maybe in my mind like the in line standing in line is not the best example only because like that is also that could be just like such a quick thing but like because you're right it is it is important to really power down sometimes and just be in the moment whether that is like i mean you know a lot of people do that they go camping and they do it or like they'll just yeah. you know, have a bonfire with friends like or just a regular chit chat like that's obviously very important to wind down and just be in the moment for yeah, yeah i guess uh, this is just a me thing like you know for me waiting in line at the store isn't one of the things that that registers with me register pun intended not intended. <laughs> uh like that's not something that that registers with me for but i i hear what you're saying there's an yeah. overarching point a thousand percent yeah yeah i think i think it's two different things to do it uh to disconnect in everyday situations versus disconnect at a time when you have to disconnect i hear i hear you yeah, because or else that i mean you know not to put words in your mouth let me know where i'm off base but like if you're only doing it in those very intentional moments like then that becomes the thing like that becomes a whole separate um, like that just becomes a whole separate facet to it of like, then when I do something like this and then when I do this is when I log off, whereas it should be more like when I live my life, I should not be plugged in. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like a lot of times I'll recommend to people when I see them answering emails at 2am, I'm like, why are you doing that? Like for real. So I'm going to tell you too, like you don't need, you don't need to do it because it's like your brain is always in work mode, which is like not stressful exactly. 
but it's it's almost a precursor to stress or something like that where it's like when you stop doing it you realize how much it was taking out of you energy wise and i think when you're young it doesn't affect you as much and when you get older or like when you hit a certain point a lot of people realize this and it's a different point for every person but it's like oh man i was working way too hard in those years or like at that time or like you know you had that month that you were working too hard so that was your point where it was too much for you so maybe now you're doing less than that amount and it works but you know one day you might be like dang even right when i went to mike's i was working too hard and i thought i wasn't like or not you know i'm not saying don't work hard because i'm super into working really hard actually but i think there's a time and a place and there's certain times when you have to not do anything including 3 a.m yeah Yeah. or or line at the grocery store i hear you yeah exactly and it's like you can do that once in a while and i do it sometimes if i'm up late and there's nothing to do i gotta do something so it's like either read a book or maybe i want to do emails so i'm not saying never but i'm saying don't make it a regular habit don't be every night waking up in the middle of the night checking your phone and doing your work you sound like like my manager Do you do that every night? No, not okay. Well, good. no, I know definitely not in the middle of the night. No, no, no. Yeah, because some people not. do. Like I know people who yeah. have that as a habit. It's like, yeah. oh, if I wake up in the night to go use the bathroom, I'll turn my phone on. I'll start doing emails for an hour. Oh yeah, that's gnarly. No, no, no. That's really not good for you. Yeah, yeah, you can no. do that once if you can't fall asleep, but you can't do that. Yeah, yeah. You can't totally. do that twice a week or every day, or it's not a good habit. Yeah, that's the only point. But let's move on. Okay. You want to go into music? Yeah, sure. Let's, wow. Let's, <laughs> wow. Music. What music. you got? Yeah. So music, just a huge part of my life always, and which is like, you know, I'm a big fan of music, which is a very basic thing to say. Have you ever talked to someone who's like, they start like talking to like a boy or a girl and they're like, they're like, oh yeah, no, I really like them. Like they're like super into music. And it's like, yeah, <laughs> probably. Imagine asking someone if they like music, and they're like, eh, I can take it or leave it. I've met a few people that aren't into music, but it's rare. That's it's very rare. rare. I mean, yeah. that's like... Most people are into music. Yeah, because, you so, know, at least their own music, you know. You're going to have to elaborate on that. Sure, yeah, yeah. So, like, I don't know, the type of music I like, I have a pretty, I'd say I have a pretty varied taste, which, I mean, a lot of people say that, but then... The second you throw on Mongolian throat singing in the car, they wouldn't need to change it. So it's like, oh, yeah, you're, you're full of crap. You don't actually have that. Um, but I'd say it's probably, like, if it was, like, a, a, a pie chart, it's probably, like, largely, like, rock. Not, and I'm, I'm going to try not to over-genre, because you could just genre things to death and be, like, and make it so ultra-specific that, yeah. like, three bands exist in the genre. Yeah. So, like, lar- it's, like, largely rock, um, fair amount of rap, um, those are definitely like the two biggest ones um, and then just like some kind of miscellaneous stuff uh, some folk n- not much country any country I listen to probably falls under the uh, the rock or folk umbrellas um, I go in through some like and then yeah just like some other phases of stuff a good amount of like electronic music like MGMT or not so much Black Moth Super Rainbow but like bands kind of like that um that's a a smaller wedge in the pie chart um and then yeah like little phases of stuff here and there I went through a bit of a jazz thing not too long ago and not like I don't like regular fusion fusion jazz but like like Duke Ellington's and whatnot and um like Fats Waller like I liked a a lot of uh Alex is throwing up the the peace signs big fan (laughs) yeah like I I like some of those people but not like I like listen to them like listen to their whole discographies or whatever and turned it into a personality trait but like I definitely went through a stint of them 
Um, so yeah, I just love music, super expressive. There's so much of it. Um, and yeah, I also, I have a really, I have like a, a weird approach to music or at least weird for like people who are into it. Most people who are like really into music tend to like want to like listen to a whole band. It's just like when they listen to a band or a band drops an album, they like listen to it, listen to the whole album in one go and like they try and like analyze it and all this stuff. Whereas like my approach has always been like, I just like individual songs. So there are bands that like I love and well actually for the bands I really love, I do know a lot of their songs and I've tried to get better lately at like being a little like listening to more of their discography. Um, but a lot of times like there will be a band that I know of, but I, and, but I really only know like three songs by them that I might really, really like. And I remember when I was younger, I always had to be careful. There'd be a band that, you know, I'd, I would know like literally one or two songs by them that I'd really like and then someone would be like oh have you heard of this band I'd be like oh my god I love them and it's like wait I probably shouldn't say that because if by saying that there's like implications of like oh you probably think I know X about the band but I probably don't you know yeah. Um, so yeah like if I'll, I'll probably I'll I'll genre I'll over genre the rock stuff a bit just because that's like really expansive obviously so like I'm going out of punk. I love the Misfits. They're from Jersey. I got my license in the same town that most of them are from. Lodi represent. Cool. So like big like I like the Misfits. Um, I love Blink One Eighty Two. Just saw them live. Like Some Forty One. Those were a lot of the like Blink, Green Day, Some Forty One. Like those were some of the bands that were like pretty pivotal in like my middle school life. Like I was really like, one of very very few people who listened to them. Nirvana was another one. The Offspring. Wow, I feel like that was middle school, like, for me. For a lot of people, that's when they... Now, granted, but when you were in middle school, that was when that music was, like, new-ish. Yeah. Yeah, like, for me, it had already kind of... Not so much run its course. Like, those bands were still around and still Mm. releasing stuff, but, like, their heyday had... Or not their heyday, but, like, their big album releases had passed. Yeah, I see what you mean. Like, I feel like Green Day is, like, the generic, like, middle school graduation. They have, like, that one... Time of your life? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I feel like... That has to be timeless. Yeah. I hope. Maybe it's not, but I feel like that's just middle school graduation for everyone. I could be totally wrong. I don't know. No, no. I mean, I, granted, we didn't have that song in particular, but most people knew that one. But I meant, like, when it really came to, like... I mean, that song's not very... Offend- I mean, that's really an incredible song. Like, it's called Good Red Insert, technically. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, that is such... Like, that's an amazing song. And it's, like, it's acoustic guitar, good vocals. Like, it's easy on the ear when you start busting out some like you know heavy distortion and you know punk rock guitar that's when people especially where i'm from like it was rap and hip-hop is like really the big thing or and just general pop music so like that was a little more offensive to the to the ear uh yeah to the eardrums you know people start leaving the room yeah exactly but you know it's funny when people would actually give it a shot for the most part they'd be like okay i don't hate this you know and that was a, yeah. a bit of a start it's funny i kind of want I, I won't vocalize this point somewhere like Remember when um, Stranger Things used a Metallica song? They used, I, I think, um, Master of Puppets. I heard about that way after because I don't watch TV basically, and so, I don't watch Stranger Things. And like, I was into Metallica already, but didn't it bring like a big resurgence of people into Metallica again? Yeah, so it got, which is funny because I'm just like everyone knows Metallica, but I guess a lot of people didn't. Well, so a lot of people know Metallica, but a lot of people didn't listen to them because they just consider them like metal, and I don't like metal. It's funny when you talk to people. <laughs> who like say that they listen to a lot of music, they listen to all types of stuff, a lot of times, I notice this so much, the caveat they'll say is, oh, I listen to all types of music except screamo and country. 
like it's funny those are like two of the ones that like many people just like totally nix right away yeah and often that become that comes from just like a lack of understanding of the two genres like mm-hmm. i don't like screamo either but like there's probably a lot of bands that you think are screamo that like aren't like you yeah know. they overgeneralize it and exactly they, they miss out on things yeah so when that and i didn't know like i didn't i don't watch stranger things either but when that happened like there was like some there was a bit of a rift where there were a lot of people who were like wow all these people are just like metallica because it's cool like that's so stupid and they're like kind of gatekeeping them like you know metallica fans and then there's another side of people who are like you know don't don't gatekeep if it's bringing people to listen to music like that's what matters which yeah which is what i agree with so and i totally get that and look i i agree with that too from a on a very general level and like i said i'm also it's funny i feel like i i listen to a lot of music that gatekeepers listen to but i actually really am not a gatekeeping type i love sharing my music and getting people into it yeah but um i do understand like where a lot of like those metalheads might be like coming from of like we tried to show you metallica years yeah. ago and you guys just called us like you know you called us psychos or crazy or made yeah. fun of us for liking it and now that's in a show now you like it like i actually get being offended by that i do understand that too yeah. but ultimately it's like Whatever path it is that gets you to like something, just enjoy it once exactly. you enjoy it. That's what should matter, yeah, yeah. if you really care about the I'm I, Exactly. Like, the type of person I am, that is the route I like to think I would take. Yeah. Um, but, but all I'll say is, like, it's not super black and white. Like, I actually do understand, like, right. how the human emotion, like, plays into that. of just being like, oh, dude, like, you know, I, the other day, I, I was I was talking to my best friend. I saw this band, Greta Van Fleet. I don't know if you've heard it. Yeah. Know, they're super good. They sound My yeah. brother saw them also at really? a concert. There you go. Yeah. Me, me and Dylan, man. We're, yeah. we're homies. That's great. Um, so I went on a kick of them for a while. I still listen to them sometimes. And I was hanging out with my best friend. I have two best friends growing up. And they're still my two best friends today. And I was hanging out with one of them a few months ago. And we were talking about it. And I was like, yo, man, check out this. Like, and I turned him on to a few bands over the years. He's like super not a gatekeeping type. Like, you know, he's super receptive to hearing new music and stuff too sometimes. So... I was telling him about Greta Van Fleet, and I was like, dude, they're actually really cool. They're like, they're like give or take our age, just a little older. They're like, they're like brothers. They sound just like Led Zeppelin. They sound a bit like Rush. It's like super cool. And I played him a few songs during the car together, and, and he liked them all good, right? A few weeks later, we're hanging out, and we're literally just in my house. I remember I was like finishing work, and he was just sitting. He was like, hey, I was, I've been in this new kick of this band recently, like Greta Van Fleet. And I look at him. Like, I thought he was just like busting my chops. <laughs> And I'm looking at him, and he's like kind of like half laughing, and I'm like, he's like, what? I was like, you're, you're laughing, you're just, you know what I mean? I'm like, yeah, yeah. this is, you're saying that because I told you about them, right? He's like, you told me about them? I was like, are you kidding me? <laughs> he was like, yeah, dude. He was like, I've been listening to a bunch of them recently. They sound just like, and I sound, I go, Zeppelin? He goes, yes, that's who. I wanted to kill him. I absolutely <laughs> wanted to kill him right there. I was like, which, you know, obviously it was fine. We laughed about it. But it was just not funny. It was like, you know, I, I told you about this. And, you know, I, I, not like I don't, I care about getting my due credit, especially because that was like a funny interaction. Yeah. Like, I, I can totally understand like, why it's frustrating for like someone to show someone a band and like right. be really into it and all this. And then for them to like actively be like, no, I don't like it. Yeah. And then years later be influenced by someone else and like, and then be into it. Like, I can see how that hurts, is all. Yeah, you know? for sure. That, that, w- that was not one of those examples, but that was just funny, I thought. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so a lot of rock. That's, you know, a big thing. Like I said earlier in the, in the podcast, a, lot, a big thing that Tim and I bonded over. I know he mentioned it in his appearance that we talk about the Tony Hawk Pro Skater and Tony Hawk Underground soundtracks all the time. Yeah. 
Kevin H hates it when we're in the car with him and we'll play it. But um, yeah, I, I, the Tony Hawk, uh, Tony Hawk podcast, the Tony Hawk underground games were like pretty form, or just the Tony Hawk pro skater games in general were pretty formative in like my music taste. And another big one was Guitar Hero. That was super big. Guitar Hero 3 is like one of the best games of all time <laughs> up there with like Tony Hawk's Underground or whatever, in my opinion. Um, and both of those songs had a lot of bands that I was like, whoa, like I'm, I like this stuff. Like Blink-182 was probably my first ever favorite band. Besides like the Beatles, who I had heard songs from and stuff and liked. Yeah. Like Blink was probably the first band where I was like, whoa, this is awesome. And this is, I think this is my favorite band, you know? Um, and yeah, and everything downstream of that. I got into playing guitar. I don't jam enough with people, which I should probably do more of, even with like Tim and people like that. Um, but yeah, a lot of really good relationships got fostered from that. In high school and college, I had friends who were in bands and stuff. When I was in high school, a lot of my friends just were, were always a lot older than me, largely because my I was really good friends with my brother, so then I became friends with his friends, who I'm still friends with today. So like when I was in high school, they were in college and like they were in bands and stuff. And I remember like traveling with my brother to go see them play, play in concerts and like, cool. and then, you know, got involved in like the basement show scene of like, you know, just DIY shows at a random house or whatever. And that was really cool uh, to be, not like I was a part of it, but just, you know, to, to bear witness to it, so yeah. to speak. And that was, uh, so that was uh, all cool stuff. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. What about you? What type of music do you like? Mike? <laughs> Too much, dude. Uh, I listen to a wide variety of music. Except Screamo and country. <laughs> Except Screamo and country music. Yeah, I don't really listen to much of those. Um, mm. Well, no, I mean, I've been getting like more and more into a wider variety of music because I feel like for a long time, I mean, I started with, I was just talking about this on another episode, so I'm not even going to go too into it, okay. but basically I like started listening to music like in my parents car when i was very young and it was like metallica and similar bands on the radio and pink floyd and stuff like that and i like all that stuff and then i got into like daft punk and electronic and stuff which is totally different mm -hmm. and then like lately i've been just branching out like in more directions and stuff i can appreciate types of music that i didn't like before and that just opens a world to like so much stuff so yeah. Like, if you look at my record collection over there, there's a wide range of, like, you know, from stuff you know and love to stuff you've never heard of, and then, like, stuff that's like, what the heck is this? It's barely music to, like, wow, this is a masterpiece. Like, all kinds of whatever. Just, you can look through them after. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, uh... you know, I have some records from, like, bands that you mentioned, for example, and, and some that you've probably never heard of. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's good to have a well-rounded taste. I think also yeah. people get too mad at like, oh, you can say you don't like a band. It's like, oh, well, you haven't tried this out. This like you haven't listened to this song, whatever. It's like, yeah, but you you could dedicate your entire life from here on out to the rest of your life listening to every song, and you'll you know you won't even make a dent. It's like you know yeah, there's so much out there. So you know, it, just because you're not listening to one song, like you know, you, you can if you don't like if you don't like a song, you don't like the first minute of a song or whatever it is, or there's a band that you've heard several songs by that none of them you like it's probably not worth any more of your time to yeah. keep listening to stuff that there's a greater, there's a higher chance that you're not going to like it yeah. and you can explore other stuff. And you could come back to that later in Always. a few years and you might like it. Yeah. Because that's happened to me. Like, Chords yeah. of Canada. I love it now. Hmm. It's one of my favorites. 
I even made that fingerboard graphic. And uh, I didn't like them when I think Jay showed me them around when I was listening to Black Moth kind of for the first few years or whatever. And he was like, yeah, they're similar. They like inspired them and stuff. And I listened to it. I'm just like, this is depressing. I hate it. Yeah. And I'm, I couldn't like it. And now I love it. I'm like, it's not depressing at all. It's so chill. Yeah. It's cool. So it almost depends on where you are in your frame of mind and what you want to hear and stuff. Yeah. I think just like the most important thing is just like being able or not so much being able, being open to checking new stuff out and also being able to articulate why you do or don't like something. Be yeah. Because totally. that way, like, you know, if someone like if you can get better music suggestions that way. If yeah. you're saying, oh, I don't like it because of this, like, super vague reason. It's not good. Exactly. It's not good. It doesn't sound good. It probably yeah, okay. is good, and it's probably not good for your ears. Yeah. And and you <laughs> know what? And I get it. It might not be good for your ears. Yeah. Tell me why, and then I, you know, I can, like, yeah. not like I'm, you know, the end-all, be-all of music suggestions, but just in general of, like, it makes it so you're not coming off as, you know, I don't like it because I don't like it, or, you know. Yeah. Or, or more so, like, I don't like it because it's bad. I, it's just more like, I don't like it because it's not aligning with yeah. what I'm looking for right now. Exactly. Like, if yeah. you think it's bad, say what's bad about it. You can't just say bad or good. Yeah. It's not that. Because it's like, somebody put time into making that, and if enough people like it that it's considered music, it's probably not bad. Yeah. You know? It might just be that the subject matter is not to your liking, or the type of instruments is not what you like to hear, or the speed or the rhythm, or like... It could be something that basic as any of those things, or it could go deeper, but it's like, it's not bad just because it's not what you like to hear. And like, music that I like makes me feel really, really good, and music that I don't like, it's almost like I'm not listening to a music or it fades into the background kind of, and it does nothing for me. But when those songs are on, if I really try to be mindful and listen to them, it's like, I can hear why somebody would like this. And sometimes that makes me start to like it too. Yeah. So... And, you know, a lot of people say, too, like, oh, you need to listen to the full album. You know, that's when you really understand it. And it's like, I'm, <laughs> no, sometimes, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> sometimes I, I, I will, but sometimes I won't. Because I've been getting more into listening to the whole album lately. I used to always be, like, into, like, a song or a few songs. And then, like, relating to what you said, what you said is, like, kind of how I start is, like, I find a song or two that I really like by a band, and I just know those, and I get I listen to them a hundred times. But then I'm like oh, they're so good. I want to see if they have more songs that are like this. Yes. And then I'll get like all their music or like a full album or two or a few and start playing through the album from start to finish yeah. and hearing all of it. And then once I got back into vinyl, it's like almost always I'm going to listen to the full album from start to finish each time because that's how it's meant to be kind of presented and listened to. And then if I'm in the mood or I don't have super much time, I might look for the song I want to hear. And it is funny, it's actually literally on the drive up here. I played through an album that I've never listened to before just because I knew a few songs on it that I really liked and I was like, I should probably give it all a shot. I'm just saying it's not a, yeah. um, a zero-sum game of, oh, the reason you don't like this song is because you didn't listen to it in the, within the, yeah. the span of a whole album. It's like, you know, no, like you I might said, just not like it. Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, I might want to spend that time checking out other individual songs that I might like more or yeah, whatever. Yeah, totally. Think. Like, some of the albums, some of my favorite albums have songs that I don't like that much on them, and then they have songs that are so incredible on them. Mm -hmm. And you tend to want to skip them, but then there's certain times when you're like, all right, I'm going to listen to the whole album, and then the song that you didn't think that was good was all of a sudden like, oh, it fits right there, it makes sense. Like, Or like, I heard this new thing in it, and it sounds better to me now. Yeah. Like, 
it, it could grow on you that way. So, yeah, either way works, but there's benefits to both, I think. Totally. And, yeah, it's important to be willing to revisit. Um, and, yeah, yeah, and also just being, like, understanding, like, there are some songs that I just don't like, and that's doesn't mean the songs are bad, and doesn't mean I'm wrong. It's just is, uh, you know, I just don't like it right now. Yeah. Maybe down the line. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Shall we go to the submitted questions? Let's do it. You have a favorite Black River Park. I I I am notoriously bad with naming the Black River Park. You can just describe yeah, it. Yeah, that's what I'm gonna have to do. So I think there's the the big park, if there's like one big park in particular, it's the one in the location all the way in the back, right across from that alien guy that, that guy Paul drew with the waves and mm-hmm. the big yeah, which one is that? The I want to say G8, but is it? Is it with the honks? Yes. Yeah. The G8, yeah. Okay. yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, so that is the, the G8. The G8, and then there's also, there's like a, a more of a plaza, a Black River Plaza, that um, it, similarly it has like that, I think it has like that black um, mani pad. It also has a quarter, and then... Yeah, that one's fun. And the, the little stair set and the... Yeah, a little stair set yeah. with the rail. And the, is there, yeah, I think there is a hip I think there's a mushroom yeah. in there right now, like a... Yeah like a little plastic mushroom mm-hmm. that you just have in there for decoration. Yeah, it came with it. Oh, did it? Okay, yeah. yeah. That one I also really like. Uh, yeah. yeah. Cool. There you go. Who is Henry? Oh, we have to start all over. Oh, all the tape. <laughs> you go to the yeah. beginning and you'll find out. Yeah, I mean, I, I, knew, I knew that question was coming. <laughs> yeah. Loose or tight trucks? Tight. Medium, closer to tight. Let me see. Yeah, that's like exactly how I use them too. Yeah. I would say it's like, it's funny. Some people pick up my setup and they're like, it's so loose. And other people pick it up. It's so tight. Yeah. And I'm like, they're medium. So they're... I used to ride really tight trucks. Me um, too, rock hard. And yeah. I would like tilt it towards me and tighten and it, it and yeah. make it like that. It's like that. And it would, yeah, it would stay that way. Yeah. I mean, I would not for nothing. I would do ones that like, obviously you can move it if you wanted, but I mean, just like. You know, like the Teflon bushing type stuff. That was more yeah. when I was like getting into fingerboarding and I was like, oh, if it's ain't looser than that, the bolt's just gonna fall off. Um, or the nut's gonna fall off, I right. should say. But, um, Before lock nuts. Yeah, and eventually, once I started yeah, doing more lock nut stuff, I was like, okay, cool. And then, like, after, like I said earlier, that first rendezvous I went to, where people were just straight up wobbling, and I was like, <laughs> oh, this is like possible. Um, I still think tight is like a little better, but uh, like for me, but, um, but yeah, a little bit of give is nice. Yeah, for sure. I feel like the tighter you go, the more kind of consistent you can get, but the less good it feels in a way. Like, I find like a happy medium is good, but um, people whose trucks are too loose, some people are consistent with them, but a lot of people, it affects their performance if it gets too loose. So you got to watch out for that. Yeah, totally. Uh, Your worst setup. So I really like ever or like I don't it just says your worst, worst setup. setup. It could be ever, yeah. Did you have a bad one in the past? Um So that's a thing. The past few years since I've only been doing one or two, I get them pretty dialed. So yeah. like they're they're they end up being good. I'm trying to think oh, the worst setup I because I did so many trades, I have had I like probably set up some really gnarly, gnarly boards before where I'm you know, I'm just like Yeah, yeah, this just doesn't work. Um 
yeah, I, I don't know if I have a, a good answer to that. Probably just like some, oh, I'll, I'll, I'll give like a funny answer to that. Um, one of my first sponsors, <coughs> it was a company called Turtle FP. I don't even mind name dropping because it was literally like 10 years ago and the guy's like, he's a kid and he's like, you know, we're super not in the game anymore. <laughs> and he, he sponsored me and he sent me a sponsor me deck where he wrote Once Some Slaw on it, uh, which was really cool. But the board was hot garbage it sucked but i used it and i set it up with like non-bearing wheels and dump trucks and talk about it super tight like, i think they were actually tech deck bushings that i used in there so zero give but i still you know i filmed with it how i did then i ended up finding out i forget how i even ended up leaving the team i think maybe the company just kind of folded and i didn't really care company you know the, the guy the kid who made the boards didn't want to anymore so he stopped yeah. but ironically <coughs> sorry ironically that kid, I remember he was from Jersey, and he goes to, like, I was checking out, I was on one of my friend's Instagram pages the other day, and they follow each other. Like, they go to college together. Wow. I still need to ask him about it. And there's, like, a girl I work with who it looks like they went to high school together or something. Like, they follow <laughs> each other on Instagram. So, cool. I always kind of wanted to rekindle there, but, yeah. That's probably one of the worst setups I used. <laughs> I'm disparaging an old sponsor. <laughs> hey, dude, I want to reconnect with you. By the way, you gave me my worst but, fingerboard which ever. I still have, though, by the way. I still have it. I'm oh, trying sick. to hang it up. Yeah, yeah. That's cool. How long do you fingerboard for? <sighs> That's a good I mean, So I've been fingerboarding for 10 years, give or take, just over or so. Um, how long do I fingerboard in an individual session? It totally depends. Like... I mean, obviously, like, last night we were, like, stacking clips and just banging them out, so that was, like, you know, a couple hours or whatever, but, like, and I haven't done it with much intentionality lately, but usually, especially if I'm filming clips, like, it's probably between 10 to, 10 minutes to, 10 to 50 minutes, give or take, 10 to 50, five zero minutes, um, yeah, that's probably usually, like, my, I mean, yeah. when I was, when I was younger, like, when I was, like, really way more into it, um, I like, I mean, I would just always be doing it, like, no matter what I was doing, I would be, you know, flipping around or whatever, um, I don't even, but lately, or ha when I do it now, it's, yeah, probably between, like, 10 minutes to an hour, give or take. Cool. Yeah. Tim Hurley, best song in Guitar Hero. Best, uh, there you go, best song in Guitar Hero, um, probably Cliffs of Dover. Uh, what is it? Cliffs of Dover, Eric Johnson. I'll have to listen. I might know it. I, you, I'm not good with the names of songs, but I always, if I've heard a song, I remember it. You would know it the second you heard it. Super cool. bouncy. I will also say, though, Guitar Hero World Tour had Damn It by Blink-182 in it, and that's Ooh. what got me into Blink. Um, Guitar Hero 3 also had Reptilia by The Strokes, which also got me into The Strokes, which are like, those are like two of my favorite bands. So Sick. Those two are like, but those like those songs are also like, those aren't good Guitar Hero songs. Clips of Dover is a good Guitar Hero song. So, <laughs> That's my answer, Tim. Cool. Play it on the speakers when we're done. Word, yeah. I want to hear it. Um, let's see who else. WhatsApp glasses. Does that mean anything to you? Is is it from someone? Evil FB. WhatsApp glasses. Does he find me cute? He's asking if the kid with the glasses has WhatsApp. Probably. Maybe. Could be. We don't know. No. Who is your dad? Who is my dad? Is it a David Smith reference or no? <laughs> <laughs> no, he's everyone's dad. He's just like the father of fingerboarding in so many ways. Um, my, my, I don't know. I, 
I probably maybe Kevin H is up there. Kevin H is up there is pretty fatherly, <laughs> a pretty fatherly fellow to me. Yeah, let's go with that one. That's amazing. Why are all your friends back home so much better than you at fingerboarding? Raw. No, that's a good question from Joey for sure. <laughs> <laughs> You're definitely right about that, right? That's him. Okay, yeah. Um, look, it's a great question. I I just wasn't blessed with the skill like they are. And I might add, Ra is what they say in the Marines. Like, that's basically, their, they just say it to everything. Like, that's their way of saying, like, okay, copy, heard, Roger, like, oh, okay. Ra. It's short for hoorah, they say Ra. So we say nice. that a lot. Back, <laughs> yeah, back home. Amazing. Yeah. Ask him why he's the worst. And that's also a great question. Zach Van Gelder. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, that's, that is a great I mean, he could probably answer that, honestly. Answer it better than I can. We'll have to have him on the show sometime. Yeah, just... That would to, be a cool one. That would be a cool yeah. one. And just make sure, like, one of the, the big pillars that you guys discuss is, like, why Henry is awful. We'll have so many answers. I'd love to hear it. Yeah. That's amazing. Potato FB Zero says hi. Tell him I said hi. Hey, man. What's up? Have you ever been told you look like Henry from the show The Wonder Years? I don't think I've heard that one. Well, now you have. Yeah, I'm going to look it up. I, I, I'm curious now. Doug Bodkin. <laughs> <laughs> what happened with a bruised girl? Okay, he told me he, he, he told me he was like, you're going to know the question I'm asking. That was what I figured he was going to ask. Okay. Um, yeah, that's, that's, oh, so I should have read the question and then said who it was. I, I mean, I would have okay. known, like, for yeah. sure. Um, so, do you know the Abrews girl story? I don't remember, but I, it might... If it, you it, it might, it might like, this is just something we've been riffing about it lately. So, last rendezvous, there's a bar right next to the rendezvous location called Abrews. Yeah. And I went with, like, Waterfall Dave, Doug, Scott, like, you know, a few of us. Well, me and Dave just went at first, and then they ended up showing up. And, and Doug and I were sitting next to each other talking. Dave and I were just talking to the, the bartender, not like, you know, flirting or anything, but we were just like talking and conversing. And she was, I thought she was very attractive. And afterwards I left my phone number on the receipt to which she never called or texted. And like, Doug okay. saw me doing that. So Doug and I just riffed back and forth about uh, the Abrams girl. And the running joke is that he's actually, he's actually dating her now and they're the ones who are in touch with each other. So uh, to answer the question more directly, uh, what, what was the question exactly? How are things? What happened? What happened? Absolutely nothing. Dead on arrival, fizzled out before <laughs> beginning is the answer there. But yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you didn't come on strong enough. You can't just leave your number. You got to give her. You got to. You got to like. Yeah. You know. I, look, that is an approach too. I'd. Hey, if it was supposed to work, it would have worked anyway. So exactly. you didn't do anything wrong. Yeah. If she really wanted it, and she would have beat you up. And if she texted me and she was like. I forget what he was wearing, but basically we were saying it would be really funny if she texted me and she was like, oh, are you? And then described Doug. Like, that would be really <laughs> funny. Um, yeah. Oh, man. All right. Well, oh, yeah, we have more. I'm not going to take that from someone, by the way, who drinks coffee and lemon juice, which is absolutely <laughs> nauseating. I could run my car off of it. Disgusting. Anyway, continue. <laughs> Roasted. <laughs> What's his go-to order from Takeout Express? Do they mean Mr. Takeout? That's my guess. Golden Warrior, baby. Golden, Golden Warrior all Warrior. day. So good. So good. Golden Warrior. I had a Buffalo Bomb the other day. Those are also not bad. 
but dude, those their buffalo chicken is like legit like yeah i love that i have fried dough bites still in the fridge actually that i'm gonna take home those are really really good i yeah those are amazing but the main go-to i would say is the golden warrior for sure i mean it's yeah godly yeah <laughs> dude here this just came up again he said he's gonna freeze his love has technology changed him wow who D- justin mcgill wow that's wild that people like <laughs> <laughs> That's really funny. That, I, I asked basically that question yesterday. Yeah. I was like, what does this mean? Techno- well, cer- technology has certainly changed me. Uh, my love has, I'd, I'd argue, has been frozen for a while, but I also didn't write the song, nor did I sing it. Um, that said, I used it, so it is, ref- I suppose, supposed to be reflective of what I was feeling at the time. It must be. Um, yeah. That's, so, to answer his question, Yes. Technology has changed me. <laughs> That's so sick that people like actually remember that song. I remember I, I really liked it, and I really liked how it fit in the in the video part. That's cool. It was a good song, and I feel like it's partially memorable because you're trying to figure out what the heck it means exactly the whole time. I didn't so think you would have listened to it. That's so like I didn't think people would really even. I don't know if it's some generic parts. lyrics that you've heard before. You don't remember the song so much, but if the lyrics are kind of something weird about them or like it sounds good but you don't know what it means it's just like you ponder it over and over again and then it's stuck in your head and you remember it yeah that's true it's cool and he also has like a pretty like baritone voice that like i feel like doesn't perfectly match like the the melody of the yeah. song so like it really sticks out yeah so maybe that's also why interesting yeah that's cool we'll link to that part in the description as <laughs> <Yeah>. well <laughs> what's henry's favorite song and why my favorite song can't be in Guitar Hero. It is not. But that <laughs> band was in Guitar Hero. It was my favorite song. Is "You Only Live Once" by The Strokes. I just love that song. Like, probably heard that song for the first time. I was like 11 years old, give or take, and it like still gives. Like, I listen to it to this day, and it still gives me like chills every time I listen to it. Just a really, cool. really, really cool song. I, I, I think it's just done so well. That is, uh, that has sat pretty firmly at number one spot of favorite songs for years now that's awesome yeah how has fingerboarding and the culture impacted your life that's from jeff jeff roscoe yes i mean one big way is i met him which is lovely <laughs> you know and i mean the the biggest impact it's, it's i'd say it's had two big impacts <clears throat> i'm sorry it's had way more than that but two that i'll like, touch on here <laughs> yeah is um I mean, at first it just gave me such a unique community and just something to do with my time that I wasn't doing. Like, I really have no idea what I would have been doing with my time as a kid if it wasn't fingerboarding. Not to say that I would just be, like, slacking off and doing something unproductive, but uh, I really don't know what it would have been. And this was, like, such a a niche outlet that really, um, I mean, it really just checked all the marks of, like, pretty much everything I was looking for at the time. I mean, it didn't help that it wasn't, like, particularly cool to do um i didn't love that part of it i actually like it was funny too like when i was when i was like into it i had so much fingerboard stuff on my desk when people would come over i'd actually put a blanket over it so people wouldn't see it now granted that wasn't because i was that embarrassed about fingerboarding i actually didn't care that much but i just had like i had so many at that point and it was so like cluttered like people would look at that and be like oh this is someone who actually like has a problem and like only does this in their life <laughs> like if i just had a couple setups or whatever i probably wouldn't have cared but so other than that, though, I mean, it was really such like a, a cool experience and just a cool thing I was able to do. And the other big thing was 
Yeah, I mean, just the people I met. And, and I mean, like, that's, like, kind of a cop-out answer. But, like, what was also really cool about it was, I mean, even when I was a kid, like I said before, a lot of my friends were always older than me. Um, but that was, you know, when I was really young. So uh, when I got into fingerboarding, I was still really young. And I was becoming friends with all these people who were really way older than me. You know, I was 14, friends with Tim, who was in his early 20s, which, you know... When you're 40 hanging out with a 50-year-old, it's probably not that much. But, like, when you're... There's a big chasm between a 14-year-old and a 20-something-year-old. Yeah. Like, just experience-wise and whatever. Maturity-wise, whatever. And um, so it really helped me, like... Oh, so many of the people I was hanging out with were just so much older than me. And it really taught me and <coughs> helped me learn how to, like, interact with people of who are older than me. And, like, yep. I, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to say that made me, like, some super mature person or that whatever. But, like... I feel like it just taught me lessons in maturity and it made it easier for me to, yeah, interact with all sorts of adults moving forward. You know, especially because, like I said, it was like, since I was a year ahead, like, everyone was older than, like, I was always, like, the really young one, um, which is not like I ever really caught flack for or anything, but it was just cool that so many of my friends were so much older than me and it made it easier to interact with people who were older than me just in my regular life and they'd be like, oh, you're just a kid, you know, whatever, I probably don't want to be super close with you or super like tight with you but I could, and just kind of be able to be like bring experiences from some of my older friends and have them realize like oh okay he actually you know yeah. can get by with you know he can vibe with us that type of thing yeah it's cool how the fingerboard community is like almost everyone's a good role model too and like you know you got into a good group of people who it's like they were older than you so they're going to influence you and but it's all in good ways, you know? It's like, yeah. it's not like, I don't know, some places where people, like, hang out with kids older than, than them and get into bad things too yeah. early when they don't have judgment whether to do or not to do. And But with us, it's just, like, everyone at my house was chill and there was no, like, there's no way it would have went any worse, you know? It's like all the fingerboarders you meet are, like, chill. They're yeah. smart. They're not, like, crazy or anything, so... And I think part of it, too, and I, I did this in my, my regular life, too, with my friends who were older than me, but this was just, like, another layer of it is, like, yeah, all of these were, like, really good people and people I loved and cared about, but I was even able to, like, observe some something that I saw, uh, an approach to life that someone, one of my friends was taking who was way older than me and just that I didn't agree with or I didn't like, and it yeah. was just being able to look at that and being like, okay, that is something that they do that I don't like. Let me be weary myself of, like, making sure... Right. I take whatever steps necessary to not do that. Or like, oh, yeah. that's interesting that this person does, does that. Exactly. You can yeah. see, like, you know, you can pick and choose and pull from each person of, like, things that you do and don't like and use that to shape your own decisions. Uh, and that's yeah. something I think I, I did. That's you know, something I definitely did with my friends and my older friends in regular life and my fingerboard friends. Yeah, that's good. As long as you have the awareness to do that, it's a very powerful thing. You know, you can see what types of you know first you meet people and you're just like yeah everyone's awesome and then you get to know them more and it's like okay that thing that seemed like how are they possibly doing that and being okay and then you realize they're not okay and it's like okay yeah. don't do that but then you see on the same hand it's like okay look at this person and how you know these traits in them that i admire and look where it got them that's amazing i want to be like that you yeah. know so it's it's really good to like be aware of the differences in the people that you're around, especially when they're influencing you just by being like, you're learning from them and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. That might have been the last one, but let me double check. Yep. That was all the questions. That was it? Yep. Lovely.
this has been an amazing time. We could go another three hours, but I need to eat first, so. I have a four hour <laughs> drive home, so look at that. Oh no. <laughs> Uh, yeah so we'll we'll end it here and we'll one day we'll do part two i'm sure <laughs> word up happy to yeah that was awesome awesome man yeah that was a great time good stuff good stuff <laughs> oh done Finals.